And good morning, family, and thanks for waking up with us again later, metaphysician and herbalist. Dr. B will take over our classroom. Dr. B will provide an alternative for people wanting to lose weight and considering taking that chemical jab. Dr. B will also discuss the effects of sugar on the body and what he terms the Chinese calendar year of the dragon really means to us. But before with Dr. B, relationship expert Rene Miller will expound on self-love and what it means for this Valentine's Day. But to get us started, momentarily we're going to speak with Terrence Bailey. Terrence is, is a relative a uh, distant relative of Frederick Douglass. And before we go get to Terrence, before Terrence reaches us, uh, uh, let me say good morning, Kevin Langford. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, good morning, Carl Nelson. How you feeling? Excellent, brother. How about yourself? <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for asking. What can I say, man? It's another day. Yeah, and we're still here, <laughs> you know. Exactly. It's another chance to get it right. Right, know? exactly. Hey, look, man, last night I uh, was looking again at Alicia Keys and... Uh, the whole hype behind the outfit, because I didn't really get a good look at it during the Super Bowl. I was watching, I don't know, I, was, I guess I was watching the performance more so than the dress. I loved that piano, the way that, it, I'm, I'm sure that was a facade, and then you put the keyboard inside of it, but uh, then the dress matched that, and uh, of course, then there's the controversial dance move, but... Uh, it, it was a bad outfit, I, you know, just in retrospect. I know Super Bowl is over, but, uh, you know, so many people have been talking about that. What did you think? How did that grab you? How did he notice that? that she, that's interesting that she said that the keyboard would be in the piano. That it would probably be a fake piano. But what, what, what it was interesting, that the after talk, people were saying, some people were saying that it fizzled. That was the headline of one, the, the halftime show, which turned out to be the most watched halftime show, fizzled. They And, you know, because when you look at it, it's probably the first time in a long time that it was all black crew. No, no dances or anything like that. And maybe that's why they says it, it fizzled. While other people said it was great. How did you see? Um, I think I think it was great. Yeah, in uh, hindsight, you know, because uh, Charles Butler pointed out that it was in 4K, which to me is why it looked almost like it was a movie. I, I'm not familiar totally with that uh, platform of 4K projection, so it made it look like a movie to me. And the and the reason I said I thought it was a movie was because of that. But uh, there were people who were there live who actually saw the show. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think Usher's one of those guys you either love him or hate him. That's that's all it is to it. That's the way you that's the way you make money, man. you got to have an audience that either loves you or hates you. You can't have them lukewarm and go, oh, he was all right. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that people think that it it, 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 I guess the roller skating and the dancing, they couldn't, they couldn't, you know, I guess like that or relate to that what was going on on the stage. That's why they they gave it a thumbs down. For, but most of the people, most people I know, thought it was great. They thought it was thought it was like a concert. I'm telling you, I, I wouldn't be able to roller skate on stage and still sing <laughs> <laughs> and perform. Are you kidding me? It's yeah. the, I guess it's those who. Those who can hate on it, I suppose, you know, but the haters are what makes it great, man. Because um, that was surprising when it came out in those roller skates and the, all the costume changes as well. I'm, I'm just amazed. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? Maybe in retrospect, somebody will look at this one day and go, oh, yeah, it was amongst the greatest, apparently. 
But you know, it, it's the production too, because you have a limited amount of time to get all of this done. You've got to make the stage, break down the stage before the, the second half of the game starts. So when, when you're in the stadium, you're seeing something different. You're seeing it, you know, people working, <laughs> rushing to, to put this together. So they can, can, and they pulled it off, <laughs> as far as we know. Because if there are any blunders, the only people, the production people, will probably know. But uh, it, it came off for the world to see that it, it was a great production, uh, you know, production-wise at least. Man, Usher can say, I'm Usher and you're not. <laughs> That's the way I see that. You know, like Chevy Chase used to say on the uh, Saturday Night Live skit. Uh, but getting back to that piano uh, facade, uh-huh. um, the reason I know it's a facade, uh, but then again, I thought it was a movie too. So, um, But the reason I know it's a facade is because I was trying to purchase one myself. Through, but not like that, of course, but you can buy them and you put any kind of keyboard inside of it, but it still gives you that grand piano look or the baby grand piano look, if you want. And well, well, help us out here then. Since we're on, on that subject, the, the music, where did that come? Was that pre- were they singing to track? How did you discern where the music came from? Now, again, uh, at the, at the uh, effort of perhaps being wrong, I, I would think that there were tracks being used you know, because it just makes sense to to have the tracks to keep everything accurate and uh, to cover for any um, missteps. And uh, you know, you use less musicians. You can have a smaller unit when you enhance with violins and horns and and all of that. But you know, they didn't do a lot of showing the band. You see, so again, getting back to my uh, ill-fated idea that it was a movie, <laughs> but. Uh, it, now, if they didn't use tracks, again, somebody call me and correct me, but uh, it seems like it would make sense to use tracks because there was so much going on in that production. But then on the other hand, remember, Alicia Keys is now famous for having started in the wrong key with her song. You know, she sang a wrong note, and everybody's been talking about that. So, and I think that that's probably the result of not having her monitor on. She couldn't hear mm. she couldn't hear herself, so she was in a different key than than the music. See? That's why we need guys like you could understand. Uh-huh. I couldn't tell whether she was in the wrong key or not. I, I even heard this a voice they said a voice was cracking. Yes. I didn't detect that. Did did you detect that? Uh yes, I caught that, but I saw that as the passion of the moment. It uh-huh. you know, yeah, I mean you're on the world stage right now, man. That's good. There's going to be some uh, excitement in your voice. There may even be uh, a crack note. She was just sitting there in, you know, in the cold waiting for her entry and probably saying, turn up my headphone, turn up the headphone. I can't hear, right. I can't hear. And then they hit the note and out comes uh, the first thing her vocal cords could produce. <laughs> wow. So uh, as an artist, when that happens to you on stage, do you consider that a, a fail? Did you consider that an F? Uh, no, I do not. I, I think that the whole idea of performing is, uh, you you know, when you fall, you get back up. When you uh, when you have a faux pas, you can do like Miles Davis said, turn it into part of the show. You see what I mean? <laughs> you see what I mean? Because the audience, most of your audience is not musical inclined. Right, most, like me. <laughs> yeah, most of your audience does not know the difference between an, uh, a B flat and a... I don't know, F sharp. <laughs> you know, you see what I'm saying? They don't know that uh, that isn't how you wanted to start the song. As long as you, you know, do it with confidence. But you know what was interesting, though? Um, 
she used the HBCU choir. I thought he, he I should say, you know, yeah. Usher had with him in that production. I thought that was great too. Yeah, that was really nice, man. It was it was very well produced. It was a great um, show when you look at it uh, on a holistic level. And you're right, there wasn't the the uh, the white shadow. There wasn't the white hero that come along uh, during the day to save the day. And I'm not sure if that was, you know, a good idea for him or not. And, and yet, um, that's what you're going to see on his tour. Mm. It was like he's practicing the tour. And I loved when Ludacris came out, Ludacris and uh, Little Wayne. See, because that's my pick of Usher songs is, yeah. You, you see, that's my pick of their songs. So it was great to see them come out. Ludacris, the, the famous movie star now. Right. Now, do you think the people who were dissing it were not familiar with, with uh, Usher and his music? That's why they, they didn't appreciate it? I believe so. I believe so because I've heard comments. People say, why do you have so many people on stage? Where did all these yeah. people come from, et cetera, and things like that. When when Michael Jackson had the entire uh, entire stands of people as a part of his show. And, uh, you know, so it goes on and on. Uh, when when uh, Beyonce came out with all of those sisters for that Black March, yeah. you'd see there were lots of people. So I think it takes a lot of people to do a Super Bowl classic, iconic show like that. Yeah, at 10 after the top of the hour. We're waiting yeah, on uh, Terrence Bailey to join us. But uh, Kevin, I got a tweet. A tweet that says, she was incredible. Typical black folks want to go negative on each other. You yeah. should be celebrating black folks having this opportunity. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah exactly. From taking a knee to singing, yeah. <laughs> hey, we, yeah. Got, we got Brother Hakeem. Maybe he, maybe he has a, a, a point of view. What do you think? What do you think, Brother Hakeem? <laughs> Yes, uh, good morning, Carl. How y'all doing? How you doing, my brother? Excellent. What's happening? Good, good. No, I just wanted to check in with you here this morning. Man, uh, you, were y'all talking about the Super Bowl? Yeah, we're yeah. talking about the, uh, the show, the Usher show. Yeah, Usher show, right. It was the Super Bowl. It wasn't the football game. Right. Oh, man. You know, so people are, like, you know, sort of going in on some levels. And, you know, it. Somebody put it out like we watch these movies all the time and they have all kind of, you know, all kind of illicit, you know, explicit sex scenes. And don't nobody get upset and start talking about, you know, what they did, you know, people kissing on 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 A, B or C movie. So what what you think about that? I, I mean, and that's because we're, we're not used to um, seeing. Um, Movies. I mean, I mean, you know what I'm saying. We're not used to seeing that, like in a in a dance performance. Uh, so I think that's the the difference, right? Yeah, man. We're we're used to seeing it, like you said, when Fred Astaire did it, and uh, you know, when a, a couple right. of other a couple of other notables were uh, were, I guess, creating that genre. You know, America's Got Talent, and uh, if you can dance, that contest show. But then when you get yeah. a professional like Usher doing it, all of a sudden, you know, we've got to turn our nose up. It's better. He could have done better. They shouldn't have done that. They couldn't have done this, that, and the third. You know, when you're on the Super Bowl, then you do it your way. <laughs> right. And and I wonder, do do people, is it because of him 
partially, you know, in the whole Diddy thing? And is it because, you know, something about Swiss Beats when um, something to the effect of he, like, had an affair or something to that effect, or they had an affair together before, and it, it just seems, like, messy? <laughs> Wait a, a lot of that messy stuff is going around, uh, uh, Brother Haki. I don't know where it's from. And w- w- worse is none that it's going around. So how people love that kind of stuff. That's that's to me. That's mind blowing. Up, you know. That's that's the barbershop talk right now. That's what they're talking in the beauty salons on the weekends about all this stuff. You know. But it, it's it says something about us as a people, our psyche. That you know, we'd rather have that discussion than and talk about our freedom. So that right. that. That to, that to me is is startling, you know, because you, you, these conversations, how many likes they get, but when we talk about our freedom, you know, well, okay, man, you know, or you're talking about uh, reparations, okay, man, you know, but do you talk about that? Wow, and people go bananas. So you know, it's interesting. But I'm just looking at the clock. Stay with us, hockey, because uh, right, it's 14 yes, after the top of the hour, and and it's Valentine's Day, and you know, we were talking about Frederick Douglass. You know, this day was uh, Frederick Douglass's birthday. He actually picked this day. We'll talk about that when we get back. Though we got to take a short break, family. Four minutes after the top of the hour. You want to join this conversation with us and Kevin and, and Brother Haki, reach out to us at 800-450-7876 and we'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning once again, family. 21 minutes after the top of the hour, we're chopping it up with Kevin and Brother Haki has joined us in Baltimore. We start off talking about the Super Bowl, but we were going to talk about Frederick Douglass because today is his birthday, and one of his relatives is supposed to join us, Terrence Bailey, so we're waiting on Terrence to go. But in the meantime, we're going to talk about that. But Mark has joined us, wants to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, gentlemen. Hope everyone have a meaningful Valentine's Day uh, observance. Um, let me just say one thing about the game. This was probably the longest Super Bowl game in history, counting the uh, non-sudden death overtime. I could not understand <laughs> the sudden death uh, rules or non-sudden death rules in this game because this should have been over when San Francisco kicked a field goal uh, in overtime. And this was this game ended near my nightly 11 o'clock bedtime curfew, by the way. So I could not understand why they changed the rules that the game wasn't over in sudden death that there used to be in NFL. So what was this all about? To try to get more fan excitement to stay up to near midnight as possible? Or what was the effort? I, I didn't like it. Well, uh, well Mark, let me ask you this. Are you suggesting it was fixed? Are you suggesting <laughs> that the, it was fixed? I'm not even suggesting fixed. I think the NFL changed the rule. It, it, it was yeah, they changed the rule. Sudden death. According to, according That's to Google. That's the problem I have with them. According to Google. What's your opinion on this? The new rules, according to Google, is even if the team gets the ball first, scores a touchdown, the game isn't over, the other team also gets at least one possession. If both teams score the same amount of points on their possession, then the game changes to sudden death. So, uh, But that sounds like the old rule, you know, to be honest with you. And, uh, yeah, they, they, they had that new extension. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Mark. Thanks yeah, for joining thank us this morning. All right, as we mentioned, today's uh, Frederick Douglass's birthday, and we were supposed to be one of his relatives, distant relatives. And one of the things I uh, was telling uh, Kevin and Brother Haki that 
he selected Valentine's Day for his birthday. He didn't know when he, the actual date that he was born. He was born in 1818, he, he was told that, because he was a slave. And, and so oh, when you speak about uh, uh, Frederick Judge, you got to remember, he was a slave, but he got his freedom. You got to think about it in that context. So he, he said he picked this particular day, Valentine's Day, because his mother used to call him Little Valentine. So this is why he says that. And he also changed his name, too, because most of you know, follow, have, have done some research in this. You know, his name is, is, is I guess the name that was given to him was Bailey as his last name. And he, and he changed his name after reading a poem. So interesting, interesting brother that, you know, that we're dealing with and one of the most famous, famous black people to come out of Maryland. Wouldn't you say so, Haki? McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yes, absolutely, Brother Carl, and thank you. Uh, well, I, I would say my family is actually uh, from uh, the Eastern Shore area. I hope my aunt, Dr. Summers, is listening, She as she usually is this time of the morning. But, um, yeah, and listen, I'm glad you mentioned that he didn't know his uh, birthday call because that's, you know, some people um, may not know that about him. But I'll also mention Many people, I mean, I'm just going to go quick because uh, in terms of uh, the Eastern Shore, uh, and I'm trying to find out where, but because I know many people in Baltimore, we talk about Henry Holland Garnett. There's a park in Baltimore, but uh, just a few days ago, Henry Holland Garnett, uh, it was the day he spoke before Congress. Uh, and so, you know, we have all of this history with Frederick Douglass and uh, Henry Holly Garnett and uh, Harriet Tubman all in that area. Um, you know, it, it's really a good combination for, you know, for the state of Maryland. And, um, you know, and I've been going to different events over the years. Uh, matter of fact, maybe two, maybe three years ago, there's a major mural uh in in it's called the hill area in eastern shore and so it's it's really nice it's one of the first ones where they depict um uh frederick douglas's uh first wife of course so you know that's part of the history and actually this uh and and oh okay and then i went to they did the uh a bridge a major bridge in dc uh, and it's, it's very beautiful. It's, I think that's in Southeast D.C. Maybe some of the D.C. people can call in to talk about that. But uh, as well as the, uh, I think they have a the house for Frederick Douglass in D.C. But yeah. uh -huh. right, right, right. I, you know what? And I, I recall, like, I'd never been to it, but uh, I, I was over there with uh, Brother Malik Shabazz, and we protested, <laughs> and we walked past the house, and I was like, oh, that's where that is, so it's, it's mm. right in that area, so, um, so yeah, wow. just, just having a different history, and, and also the, the congressman from uh, Prince George's County, Glenn Ivey, will be giving a congressional 
Medal, I believe it's called the Congressional Medal of Honor uh, to the Frederick Douglass uh, this Oh, what is it? Is it Friday or Saturday? Oh, it's Friday. Yes, it's Friday at noon. And that's going to be in D.C. And I believe that's going to be in Southeast D.C. as well this Friday at noon, uh, giving him a, a medal. So a lot of things, a lot of history. And, um, you know, and, and most of us, I mean, there's a lot of different films. I know that, you know, that there's a public television that did a documentary on Frederick Douglass right. as well um, uh, that. We need to, you know, just just tap right. into in the state of Maryland. Yeah, yeah. Twenty seven at the top there, Kevin. Do you know where that house is in D.C.? I've been past it, but I don't have it memorized. What the address is, I can look it up though. I can Google it. Hold on a second, gentlemen. Okay. Okay. Well, while she's doing that, you know, one of the things that Frederick Douglass is famous for, and, and I think uh, some of the civil rights folks uh, adopted that. Some of the freedom fighters adopted that. He says, "If there's no struggle, there's no progress." Because we always, you know, right. we talk about who to continue. The struggle continues. Uh, this is where mm-hmm. this this came from. He says, "If there is no struggle, there is no progress." Uh, you talked about, uh, you know, Westmore used this Bible when. When, he, when uh, Governor Westmore right, was sworn yes, in, yes, that's he, good. he yes. used Frederick sure. Douglass's Bible. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about politics for a little bit, uh, hockey and, and Kevin. You know, one of the things that, that, that Frederick Douglass talked about, which which I think about all the time when I hear these uh, black Republicans and black Democrats are fighting, he said mm-hmm. on the weekends he would see slaves fighting about which massa is better. You know, they, mm-hmm. and they would get into physical fights. You know, wow. my, my masa is better than your masa, you know, and my boss is better than your one. And, and they're, they're, wow. these arguments and masa sitting back there laughing and then they, because the two masas are sitting back there laughing and smoking a cigar and, mm. and watching these, these slaves argue which one of them is better. Mm. And every time I hear a, a black Republican, a black Democrat going at it like that, that's the image that comes to me. I say, wow. Frederick oh, wow. Douglass, that this is this is, a, is a, this is exactly what Frederick Douglass is talking about. You know, here we are wow. fighting each other about which masa is better, and both of them uh, uh, having sitting down, sipping whiskey, and smoking cigars in, on on mm. the uh, porch, and looking at us fighting on week. We're entertaining. We're sport for them. Maybe I'm pushing mm-hmm. it too far, but that, you know, that's what I think about when I think about mm. when I hear black these these so far hardcore black Republican or black Democrats going at each other. That's what that's what it looks like to me. Well, there's nothing wrong with a spirited debate, though, brother. Don't you think? Uh, you know, <laughs> the, two, the two, two frames of thought, you want to be able to discuss it passionately and, uh, you know. But yeah, still. well, Kevin, but yeah, you can fights, do it. You know, fist fist fights, fights. That's what we were talking about. Yeah, you know, you're going to fist, you, 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 you're throwing, throwing uh, bombs at each other physically, you know, because for somebody <laughs> else, for, for the uh, oppressor, you know, that's, and that's, just, that's what's going on, you know, in, in the political scene today that we have some, just some brothers and sisters involved in that. That's right, all I got to say right, about that. Right. Okay, well, in other news, the Frederick Douglass National Historic Site administered by the National Park Service is located at 1411 W Street, Southeast in Anacostia. And you right. have to, you have to um, make an appointment and get a guided tour and you call 771-208-1499 to plan your visit. There All right. You, there thanks, you go. thanks for sharing that with us. You, <laughs> yeah, know, uh, you know, Brother Haki, you, you mentioned by the Eastern Shore, you know, that the late Pat Newton, when she was here, it was what she was working on about what mm-hmm. happened to, to blacks at the Eastern Shore because they were breeding us like cattle. 
you know, mothers and daughters and brothers and sisters, everybody was sleeping together just to produce more slaves. So one of the issues that she was working before she made her transition was to find how that affected us. She was trying wow. to, she was trying to locate blacks who grew up from the eastern shore. She, that was the first part of a thesis that she was working on. The blacks mm-hmm. who grew up in the eastern shore, where are they now? You know, because many have mm. moved away. They, but they're probably many still in the state of Maryland, but many have moved away. So she was trying to figure out what their lives are like now, if that had anything to do with them emotionally, physically, because because of all the interbreeding, were they were they used on us and our ancestors back in mm. the day? Right, right. No, I I remember you saying that. I wish I had known that when she was with us, I would have connected her to all of my family members. You know, just in some, uh, absolutely, they're still there, you know, so, and we, you know, I think there's certainly a, a disconnect uh, there with all of all of the things that, that went on, because I, I, I'm still learning that history myself, so, you know, and it's, it's painful. Some things are, are very painful, uh, you know, just the, the levels of racism and the hostility. That, uh, some of the some of the uh, whites had on that side. Yes, sir. Well, in 1872, Frederick Douglass became the president of Freedmen's Savings and Trust Bank. He was the right. president of the bank, but the bank failed four months later because of corruption inside of the bank, and that kind of mm. hurt his reputation. They say. Have you gentlemen heard anything about that and how that affected Frederick Douglass and U.S. Congress? I can't. I. I mean, yeah. No, I can't recall uh, some of those details of that particularly. So, yeah. But I, I do recall about him trying to start a bank as well. But yeah. Well, yeah. I've got. I've got like a, an advantage on you guys. I've got. I've got it right here <laughs> no, in front of me. We appreciate it. Yeah. The Encyclopedia Britannica right here in wow. front of me. You see. And so then he became the first Black U.S. Marshal in 1877. Appointed by President Rutherford B. Hayes, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, and he's he served in that capacity till 1881, and uh, President Garfield appointed him to a position as the Recorder of Deeds in the District of Columbia until 1889. Then President Benjamin Harrison selected mm-hmm. Douglas as the U.S. Minister Resident and Consul to the Republic of Haiti, and what a powerful gentleman yeah. from slavery to this. Yeah, for right. ex-slave. Yeah, of course. And, you know, you know we got a break coming. we come back, we'll talk about that. Because, you know, Frederick Douglass was a runaway slave. This is Black History Month, as you know, family. Right, right, right. Today's also Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to the sisters. Sorry, brothers. I don't have anything for you this morning. Even you understand. Sorry, fellas. Yeah, you understand that. So the sisters, happy Valentine's Day. If anybody asked you, told you, wished you happy Valentine's Day, say yes, you heard it on the radio directly from me. Anyway, 26 minutes away from the top there. We're going to continue to chop it up with Kevin and Brother Haki in Baltimore about Frederick Douglass. If you want to join us, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, run FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. (laughs) 
And good morning once again, family. 22 minutes away from the top there. We're chopping it up with Brother Haki in Baltimore. And Kevin is with us as well. We're discussing uh, Frederick hey Douglass. <laughs> Before we go back to our... And listen, open lines are open. You want to talk about Frederick Douglass, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. As we mentioned, it is Black History Month. And today is Frederick Douglass's birthday, not his actual birthday. He chose this day as his birthday because he didn't know he was a slave. He didn't know when he was born. But later uh, this morning, we're going to hear from a uh, metaphysician and master herbalist, the Dr. B. Also, uh, relationship expert Renee Miller will, will be here. That's Renee will discuss, talk about self-love. She's going to explain what she means by self-love. And uh, coming up, uh, let's see, coming up tomorrow, uh, Captain Andrew from Baltimore will join us. The leadership Nubian circles of Brother Siddiqui Kambon will also be here, along with a chemitologist Tony Browder and Brother Kojo Yankar from the Pan-African Heritage Museum in Ghana will also be here with us. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in tight on 1010 WLB and also in the DMV run FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Cause Kevin, you mentioned that, you know, that Frederick Douglass was a runaway slave, but then he, he hung out with presidents in the yeah. top notch of yes. the day. That's an awesome leap for, for a person who was, you know, was enslaved. Check out the notables in his entourage, John Brown, Abraham Lincoln, Elizabeth Caddy Stanton, Susan B. Anthony, Ida B. Wells, and he was a huge celebrity. He was the most photographed American, black or white, in the 19th century. The most photographed. Did your research explain why? What, what was, why was he so popular? Because, again, we, we, you got to understand, he was a slave. He was a runaway slave abolitionist when he got away. You know, all the years leading up to the Civil War, he worked on the Underground Railroad. He, he, in the estimated, he probably held 400 or more uh, runaway slaves. And one time, interesting, uh, uh, Kevin and Haki, he owned slaves. <laughs> so he owned about three or four slaves at the time. Because, oh. yeah, that was that was sort of natural, you know, to, to have people. Well, he, he probably wouldn't really recall them slaves, but they were probably workers. And, they were, and, and they, you know, I'm sure he paid yeah. them. Because that was a huge estate that he lived yeah. in. So. Yeah. yeah. Not to excuse it, but... Uh... Yeah, he also served on Howard University. Well, you, but you got to remember though, Kevin, that slavery was legal back then too. But go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, he served on <laughs> he served on Howard University's board of trustees from 1871 to 1895, and of course, he was always committed to social justice in the African American community. You know, he, he was also in the World Columbian Exposition, the reason why the colored American is not in the World's Columbian Exposition. Man, what a man, man. Oh, yeah. And, and he got honorable mention from Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald Trump. Remember when Trump, remember when Trump said he was friends with Frederick Douglass? Oh. <laughs> oh, you don't remember that. I'm sorry. No, I don't remember that one. <laughs> Everybody knows Donald Trump. <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, but hockey, hockey. Yeah, but but I wanted to, you know, so the uh, each year, well, most mo mostly every year on the Eastern Shore, they, you know, some of the descendants uh, have a, a, a birthday event for Frederick Douglass. I wanted to, you know, just read, you know, what they what they have in, for the two hundred and sixth birthday celebration. Uh, it's going to be at the Avalon Theater on uh, in Maryland's Eastern Shore. 
and it's with the Bailey Gross uh, Family Foundation. And let's see. And this year they're going to have uh, Phil Darius Wallace and, and Melissa Sparks, and um, and it's going to be at the Avalon. That's at uh, on Dover Street in Easton, and that's going to be 3 p.m. And I'll put out a contact if uh, number 410-822-7299. And I just wanted to plug our brother Carl this year. Uh, uh, one of the great great grandson did actually go to Zimbabwe. Uh, I wasn't able to go, but Sister Kim. Uh, had him uh, with our organization, Teaching Artists Institute. So that's that's another brother. He'll be in town. Kevin, he was he was on here a couple <laughs> couple of months ago before we went to Zimbabwe. So he'll be back in town on that day as well. This Saturday, that is this Saturday, everyone. All right, seventeen away from the top there. You know, another uh, brothers. Here's something that uh, most people don't know that Frederick Douglass changed his name several times. Trying to figure out what his what his given name was. As a slave, you know, the, you get the master's name. But after he escaped, he changed his his surname to Stanley. Then he changed it to Johnson. Then he changed mm-hmm. it to Douglas after reading a, a poem. And and the person who wrote the poem last name was Douglas because well, he, his given name I think was Bailey. That's a Terrence Bailey wow. was supposed to join us this morning. So that's he changed his name several times. And so you know he was he was always thinking. He was always proactive as a person, even in his own personal changes and transformations, you can see that he was having to change his name because you don't get up and change your name, you know, willy nilly. You, you gotta make a, you gotta make a real decision when you want to change your name. But yeah, I want to throw this in there because, you know, every 4th of July, he's, you know, and, I, and I've got this savior. What, what is the 4th of July? What is, the, what is it's called? What is the slave is the 4th of July, something yeah, like that. Right, right, yeah, that was guys one of his that? greatest. Yes, that was one of his Absolutely. greatest speeches, and it's digitized in the Library of Congress, that speech. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do, do, do they have the audio, Kevin? Is that practical? Have that audio? Just... Uh, no, it's the, it just says that it includes his letters, his speeches, and his personal documents. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's digitized, I guess, so you can just hit a button and uh, it'll come up alphabetically. Wow. Because I know they they have the actual audio of, of Marcus Garvey that, that's around. I've heard that, even though it sounds like it, it was you know speaking at, uh, at a rapid pace. Because we, we don't know how fast he spoke, but it, you know I've heard I've heard that one. I've heard some more some of our some of the poets that were in the Harlem Renaissance. They still one of those tapes. I've heard those as well. So it's interesting to see if they had any tapes on Frederick Douglass. That'd be that'd be nice. That'd be real cool if somebody could find that. Well, Frederick Douglass died in 1895, February 20th, 1895. I'm not sure recording equipment existed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Mar- Marconi discovered the... Uh, <laughs> anyway. well, it was back when, when uh, during the Harlem Renaissance and uh, Marcus Garvey's days, uh, they have recordings of him. So, you know, oh, okay. maybe I'm, a- I'm asking too much yeah. uh, for historians <laughs> to have something of Frederick Douglass. Because I think... If 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 you if you if you were at school now and you're a student and, and they you have to do a book report and they tell you to do it on somebody in Black history, uh, their students you're listening, pick Frederick Douglass. Yes. You, <laughs> there's so much about this man that's just incredible. He was known Frederick as the Douglas. Lion of Anacostia, the Lion of Anacostia. So he actually and, uh, moved to the D.C. area after Maryland. Yes, he was in. He moved to D.C. and. Um, 
and when he died, his, his young wife, she was 20 years younger, and um, she was the one who bequeathed the home and its belongings to the organization. Uh, so the National Park System in 1962 designated Frederick Douglass National Historic Site in 1988. Yes. Wow. And I know his funeral is at Metropolitan Baptist Church. It, it, I'm just wondering if it's that's the same one that's in downtown D.C., the one that uh, did for uh, of Dr. Wellston. Anybody know? I guess somebody can re- research that and let us know. Um, I'm not sure if that church has been around that long, but it may have been, you know, where Frederick Douglass was, at Metropolitan Baptist Church in downtown D.C., Anyway, it's 13 away from the top there. Our family are chopping it up with Brother Kevin and Brother Haki discussing Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass was a runaway slave, became one of the most influential abolitionists of our time. He hobnobbed, as Kevin mentioned, with, with presidents and leading folks of, of the day. Mm-hmm. And, that, that's an, and that's an, an ex- extraordinary climb from a, being a runaway slave. We got a call from Keith who said that they don't have a recording of Frederick Douglass, but they do have recordings of actual slaves, of slave stories in the Library of Congress. So the recording was possible. I guess they just missed an opportunity to record Frederick Douglass. Yeah, thank, oh, you. Who, thank you, Keith. Th- th- yeah, thank you for that information. And the president at the time, you said, was it Harding? Or who was the president, you said, Kevin? The, what do you mean, doing? Uh, that the, 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 he was invited to, he had he a had, uh, conference with, the meeting with. You know, the president of the United States wants to meet with, with an ex-slave. I mean, oh yeah, man. Uh, there were so many presidents, and uh, Benjamin Harrison. Oh, is that one. Okay, he selected him as the U.S. Minister to the Republic of Haiti, and uh, then he resigned that position in 1891. I don't see anything else. Right. Mm. Well, you know, a family, like I said, if this is one extraordinary brother. I mean, you, you look and you see that of all the people there, somehow he spoke up. And that's, that's what I, you know, sometimes I ask people, and I, I talk to Kevin about this all the time, about creative people. Because, you know, uh, there's some people in our community, they're creative. They, you know, whether it's Prince or, or, or it's an artist or a dancer, you know, they're the ones who, who come up, how do they come up with these creative ideas? It's the same thing with Frederick Douglass. But he looked around and saw what humanity was doing to his brothers and sisters, quote unquote, slaves. And he yeah. spoke up. And, 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 you know, for me, I'm like, why, why did he speak up? Why did, you know, I'm sure there's some other slaves spoke up, but why did he stand out? What, what was about, what was it about Frederick Douglass that he spoke so forcefully about the enslavement process? Any you guys, any ideas? Right. I think it was just his calling, man. It was just that some people have a, a special uh, line in life and, uh, and he's most renowned from for his rise from slavery to the highest levels of American society and challenging the country. He made people think. And when you when you do that, I, I think that, uh, as Benjamin Franklin said, you do things people write about or you write things people can talk about. We just got to yeah, that, it, it, well, he's he's. Have, have there any movies made about Frederick Douglass? Do you guys know? Have you seen any movies or documentaries done on on the Frederick Douglass? I mean, it, it'd be awesome to, to you know do it from when he was born into slavery. You know, his his movement in abolition, his his fight to free so many slaves, work to the Underground Railroad, and all the all the other freedom fighters that you mentioned that he was affiliated with. I mean, this is an awesome story. This is this is the kind of stuff that our young people need to know. This is the stuff they know that they can do. You know, We've one got of the things. Sister Fahima on the line. She says. Okay, let's bring in Sister Fahima from Washington, D.C., uh, 10 minutes before the hour. Good morning, Sister Fahima. Good morning, Mr. Nelson. Can you hear me? 
you're being heard. Yeah, well, Cupsy, yes, that is the same Metropolitan Baptist Church um, that Frederick Douglass attended. It's the same. But these churches have been around since the early uh, 20th century, some even in the late uh, 19th century. The other thing is that the slave narratives that the Library of Congress has wasn't when these people were enslaved. It was done during the uh, during the Depression. The WPA program that FDR had, people like Zora Neale Hurston and other people went out and they interviewed people who were formerly enslaved. Just like the book Barracoon um, that was released, Zora Neale Hurston interviewed the very last, per- the person that supposedly came on the last slave ship. Um, Obadiah, I think his name was. The name of the book is, is um, Barracoon. And she interviewed him, and he had a recollection of being in Africa, being kidnapped, and growing up as a slave. So those slave narratives are not people while they were enslaved. These are people in the early um, 20th century during the WPA period when they had the Depression. FDR had made work for different people, and Zornia Hurston and a number of other people interviewed people who had formerly been enslaved. They were up in age, and they shared their slave narratives. And it was something that was released quite some time ago. So that's one of the few things that I wanted to share. So it was after <laughs> Frederick Douglass's period in, in history then, when the, recording, yeah, yeah. when the recording system actually existed. Yeah, because I don't think that you had recordings till the uh, the, the early twentieth century, right? Twentieth century. Now, yeah. photography was big, you know, in the nineteenth century. And yes, Frederick Douglass is one of the most photographed people. You know, you have these different pictures of him and his beautiful afro. He was known as the Lion of Anacostia because he had this beautiful a- afro, and he also was uh, on the board of trustees of Howard University. Oh, wow. Thank you for sharing that with us, Sister Freeman. Douglas Hall on, at Howard University is named after Frederick Douglass. Um, yeah, but anyway, yeah, those slave narratives were people who were actually enslaved, and um, they were up in age. And, uh, you know, they uh, this was part of the WPA program, the Public Works Program, the FDR had used to put people to work. And you had people like Zora Neale Hurston who went out and interviewed formerly enslaved People. And again, the book Barracoon, which was an interview done by Zora Neale Hurston of a gentleman who tells the story of being in, being in Africa, being kidnapped, and what slavery was like. And he's in oh. a this in a little town called a little a little Africa, I think, down in Alabama. Yeah, little Africa. I mean, yeah, they've done stories on that. Sister Fahima, thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. She, thank you. Know, you. Kevin, that's, what, that's what I like about our listeners. You know, we always have some, that's what people say, we, you know, people who listen to this program all the time, you guys got some brilliant listeners. Happy you know. Valentine's Day, Sister Fahima. Why, thank you. All right, happy Valentine's thank Day. You. All right, folks, we're coming up on a break, and when we, get, when we come back, and thank you, Haki, for joining us. We come back, we're going to speak with Renee Miller. We're going to talk about self-love, as uh, Kevin just mentioned. This is Valentine's Day, family. You want to join this conversation with relationship expert Renee Miller? Reach out to us at 800-450-7876, and we'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB, and also in the DMV, on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power.
And good morning, family, and thanks for rolling with us this morning. Minute after the top of the hour, we're now joined by relationships expert Renee Miller. Renee, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Love Day. How are you? Excellent. How about yourself? I'm fabulous. No complaints. Oh, love to hear that. Uh, let's talk about self-love and what it means, especially for today's uh, Valentine's Day. When you t- mention, when you talk about self-love, what are you referring to as self-love? Yeah, so the way I think of self-love, I see it as a journey. It's a journey of practicing the cultivation of how you think, how you act, and ultimately how you be as it relates to being in a positive and empowered relationship with yourself. So when we have self-love, we show up in such a way that we can show care to ourselves, forgiveness, compassion. We can show even acceptance and kindness. So it really is a process that's how i think of self-love do you see it as the opposite of self-hate because we know what self-hate is 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 that the polar opposite (laughs) i do think it's on the spectrum of extremes like i do think that if you're not able well i don't think it's the exact how do i say i think they're they're at the opposite of the same trajectory but I think if you don't have self-love, you don't necessarily have self-hate. I think you can be on that path, and every day you're either working towards being more self-loving to yourself or moving towards being um, more self-hatred or at least um, not moving towards self-love. So they are on the same path, but they're opposite directions. And I think that the self-hatred is an extreme version of not being able to love yourself okay so for for then would you say most folks are somewhere in the middle then yeah that's that's exactly what i'm saying is that i don't think that people are intentional because self-love is an intentional act it is it is an intentional way of being and it creates it's through self-awareness that you cultivate it and so most people are just not we hear it so much that i think people don't know when they're not being it because they're used to being who they are. It is intentional, but just because you're not being um, the degree of it that would necessarily say, yup, you show up in self-love every day, doesn't mean that you're showing up in self-hatred. It just means you're on, on that, uh, you're on that line, so to speak, and it depends on what you do every day that determines how much of it you're having in your life. Self-hatred right. or self-love. Four after the top, I got some questions for you. The first one is, how does the concept of self-love and self-care intersect with the unique experiences and challenges faced by black individuals within the context of relationships and black love? It's a long question. I think you get the essence of what, what the person's asking. Yeah. So for me, it, it really feel like, feels like it's about the intentional practice of valuing oneself. Uh, especially in a society that doesn't do that for us. So we have to be very intentional with doing so. Yesterday I went to um, uh, the Black Love Day uh, relationship ceremony with their 31st um, celebration of Black Love with Mama Ayo. And it was powerful because one of the speakers said something that really stood out to me. She said, in a world 
where there's been so much, I mean, not only in this country, but just in general, there's a lot of intentional actions to do quite the opposite of us to think about ourselves in a way of love. And so for me, I found that we have to be very intentional, just the fact that we exist and that there's so much adversity, we have to be the ones that practice self-love. But then also, I think we have to, when we talk about the unique experiences, we have to look at how we identify, how we see ourselves, because our identity plays a huge part in our concept of self-love and self-care. And then if we don't know how to identify someone who is is worthy of self-care, self-love, like just by our nature, we won't prioritize that process. We won't move on that trajectory of cultivating it. So, you know, given all the historical and systematic challenges we face, we really do need to be very intentional and we have to be radical and unapologetic and self-affirming ourselves because if we're not doing it, who who is? You know what I mean? Like, so it's a, it's a way for us to unapolog- unapologetically say this is a necessity. It's not an option. It's a necessity for an existence is what I, I feel about it. All right, let me go back to the, the self-hate and the self-love since we're talking about self. And they said that, you know, there are extremes of the spectrum. But people right. think, some people think that people teach us or we've been taught or programmed to self-hate, to hate each other. Is there a way, can you deprogram that to, to self-love, to, 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 to program us to start loving each other? Is there a way to do that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's always a way for us to shift who we are, but a lot of it is so ingrained in us. Many say it's in our DNA because of generational experiences. And I, and I, on some level, I do agree with that. But I also think we are a resilient people and we can shift that. But again, it becomes part of the first step is self-awareness. Like you don't just wake up unless you were taught that as a child, you don't wake up and just be like, today, I self-love. You know, you can say that, but if your thinking, your actions, and your way of being doesn't demonstrate that, then you have some work to do around self-awareness. So, yes, we can shift self-hatred, but it takes being aware of how we think about ourselves, how we show up, and how we interact out in the world. Well, I got to ask you this question, though, since we're—I hate to be uh, belaboring this point about self-hate and self-love on, on the spectrum, on this line. You know, we see—we can see physically the people who self-hate themselves because they try to look like somebody else. Can we yeah. physically see someone who lo- who self-loves, who loves himself? McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Absolutely, because if you think about it, like people that show up in a state of self-love, they understand certain things. Like they understand the importance of putting healthy practices around themselves. So if you watch them, 
they have everything from not only self-care that they do, but also you see that they, the way they interact, the way um, people speak to them, the boundaries they put up, the way they honor their time, the way they honor their self-care, their, all of that is evident. If you just look, you'll be able to see people that practice self-love and because it is an intentional action. And again, we're all on that, that uh, spectrum at some point, but the people that are closer to it being part of their natural way of being, it will be evident. It will even be so evident, Carl, that it will show up in their energy. Like you, even as simple as when you speak to them, the response, like if, you know, this is just one simple example. If you come up to someone and you say, you know, I, I like to compliment um, black folks because I want them to know I see them. So if I say, you, you know what, you, you look beautiful today. And the first thing they say is, thank you, I received that. There's an intentional act. There's a thought of being even able to accept acknowledgement. Someone who has an issue with that, maybe not so hatred but there's some criticism there which is on the spectrum of self-hatred they can't even be with that compliment because they don't see themselves in that way so that's a small example of being able to see from inter- interacting with people how much they can receive self-love from themselves and so then when they get experiences out in the world it's evident oh wow yeah, in, in uh, you know analyze it like that. Thank you for sharing that with us, Renee. But Renee, what are some of the specific self-love practices or self-care rituals that black individuals can incorporate into their daily lives sort of to cultivate a strong sense of self and enhance their their, their ongoing relationships? Yeah, so I, I have several practices that I do. So I got to tell you, Carl, I'm a new author now. I just published a Seasons of Love journal, and it is a lot of self-love practices because that's the purpose of it. It's around things like being able to assess how you see yourself through journaling because that's a critical because a lot of us are in automatic pilot mode. We're just moving, moving, moving. So we don't take time to really do the deep dive. So it has some shadow questions in it. But we can also do things like celebrate who we are through positive high vibration music Um, Like, I have a playlist that I keep on, and it helps me to remember who I am um, in many many ways, you know, as a woman uh, who is Black in this culture, who who wants to be full of light and love, all of those things. But we can also make sure that we take time to read more about the positive aspects of self-growth because that's an aspect that we need to always remind ourselves of. We also can do things like meditation, because I think the more we slow down, and I'll be honest, this is something that I do every day, but I'm not, it's not as strong as I want it to be. So every day I'm working on meditation, because the more you're meditating, the more you're able to tune into yourself. The more you're able to tune into yourself, you're getting self-awareness, you're getting self-love, you're getting self-clarity, and so forth. Um, I think also individuals who look like us can make sure they practice uh, love notes to themselves. Like every day, get up and decide what you want to say to yourself about yourself. And one of the things that's in the Seasons of Love journal um, is that we take a stand in that journal. Like, who do you want to be that day? Almost like rechanging your messaging 
that either culture told you who you are, experiences, your upbringing, but changing that to see yourself through a different light. Another thing that we can do is practice self-care, like as simple as going out in nature, like and, and, and taking time to take it in and getting out of the day-to-day hustle and grind. We can move our bodies. We can be better with eating. Like something as simple as what we put into our body is an act, an intentional act of self-love because you see it as your temple. So the, and it, and it's, and Carl, here's the thing. For us as a people, we have to recognize that self-love is not about being perfect. It's not about having it all figured out. There are some parts of ourselves that we have to learn to be with and accept and embrace and not stay there. But first we got to, if there's something about who we are, we have to learn how to forgive ourselves and be able to decide to change it from love and acceptance, not hatred and disdain. Because that's why a lot of us also deal with moving further away from self-love because there's things we can't be with about ourselves. And that that concept of self-love and self-care starts to dwindle because we're facing so many different um, challenges. And so when we think about our relationship with ourselves, the better we are with ourselves, the better that we are without without with um, our community as a whole, our relationships with our family, with our friends, our loved ones. The more we can show up in self-love. It will be evident in our relationship. Uh, Hold that thought right there. we got to take a short break. When we come back, though, you know, you've heard the saying, there's somebody for everybody on this planet, somewhere in the world. Is this something that you tell folks when when you counsel them? Is is this something that you believe in, that that there's somebody, some person for everybody on this planet somewhere? I want to get your thoughts on that when we get back. Family, you want to join this conversation with Renee Miller. Renee is a relationship expert. Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. And we'll take your phone calls in four minutes. Right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, you're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning once again, family. Our guest is a relationships expert, Renee Miller. Happy Valentine's Day, by the way, discussing love. And, and we were talking about self-love. Before we left for the break, though, my question to her was uh, it, the, the uh, concept that there is somebody for everybody on this planet. It, is this something that's something you subscribe to? And when you're counseling uh, couples, do you, do, you, do you use that? Do you talk about that? So I'm going to tell you, uh, Carl, I do believe that there is someone for everyone. However... The numbers in this country uh, don't necessarily say that, or some of the numbers in other countries don't say that. But when we look at the world as a whole, I do believe there is someone for everyone. And I also believe that right in this country, there is someone for everyone, but they just, there is someone for more of us, let's say that, than we even realize, but we won't let ourselves, we won't give ourselves permission to do the work to remove the blockages, the love blockages, the narratives that are in the way of us even being able to see and find each other. So while I do believe that across the world, there's still, what, 7 billion people in the world, if I've got the numbers right, and in the Black community, I think there is an opportunity for everyone to find someone, but maybe not in this country. But let's take it to a smaller scope. 
there's opportunities for us to look at why so many of us are not able able to find each other. Like, let's look at it at a smaller number. Many of us can't even find each other and um, connect for the reasons that I mentioned. So yeah, yeah but it, 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 is is that it, but is that a cop out though? You know, the, you know, there's some because people have been searching for that that significant other for for years now, and they're in their forties and fifties, and you know, a couple of failed marriages and failed relationships, and is and you say, well, there's somebody for you. Just haven't found the right person. I'm looking for the right person. It, 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 does that does that work? Does that that does that solve their problems? I love this question. You know why? Because as much as I love us, the truth of the matter is many of us have not found the love that we're worthy of because we have not shifted. Many of us don't have the right relationship skills. We don't have the understanding of how attraction works. We don't even have a strong vision of who's the person that we need in our lives. And we haven't removed our love blockages. And so when people say that, I always say, well, what have you done? How have you worked on yourself? What have you done to make yourself vibrationally, energetically, skillfully available to attract that person? Just because you want love doesn't mean that if you don't do your part, that it will find you. And, and, so and I, well, let's I go a little deeper then. What, what, what should you do? You know, what you do, you're saying you haven't done your part. You know, you exist and, and you know, we talk about attraction and we, we, you know, if you want to get into the black, white, the black, white issue, because when we talk to people in interracial marriages, they say that love has no, love has no color. I want to ask you about that one too. Is, 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 is that how you see the love has no color for those folks who are swirling? Well, can I answer this question first, Cole? Because I think you yeah. asked a really critical question around like, what can people do? So honestly, and this is this is something that I think if we could get, we could get better at. There is a process that the Love Camp teaches that walks people through the process of creating love. The first thing is they need to recognize, that gets passed through a lot of people, but the first thing is they need to recognize what are their love blockages. I cannot tell you how powerful that is. When people release agreements, fears, traumas, um, false narratives, when they release those things, that alone creates space for them to do something different. Because if you if you think that no one's going to want me over 40, or I'm too overweight, or black men can't show up, or black women are too bossy, or any of this stuff that we have in our minds, you will not find love. Because you're basically saying, these are my truths. And so I'm not going to find the love that I desire because it's incongruent with my beliefs. That's the first thing. The second thing, Carl, is that people don't have enough clear vision on what they want. They know what they don't want, but they don't know what they do want. And then, and then finally, they don't have the like the actual attraction skills. What are some of the universal laws that exist that can help you on your journey? And then once you attract that person, do you have the skills to keep them there? And this is the system that the love camp teaches so that people can go from, I desire love, so I have lasting love. And it is a commitment in your process. And I have a five-day love, um, love challenge that I want to tell you about that can help everyone with that. But to answer your question, do I, what was the question about 
um, like interracial relationships. <laughs> people like um, we've spoken to people about this uh, on both sides, male and female, and they and they say uh, that love has no color. So I think at the highest spiritual level, we are spiritual beings. Um, I also think that we are walking this existence of melanated people who have been disdained from each other. We've been distraught from each other. We've not loved on each other historically. And so my mission is to help black men and women to see each other again and to love on each other and cultivate love within ourselves. I do think on a spiritual level, yeah, you know, you can attract various people and you can love different races. And I don't frown on that, but I don't endorse that for the work that I'm doing because my mission is for us to see each other again, love on each other again. So that's what I'm endorsing. And the love camp, it just, is it all about romantic love? Because it'd be love for brothers and sisters, or family love, or just love on, on, with friends? How, how does it work? So we teach how to work from self-love to loving another. Right now, our focus has been on romantic love because we understand that we, that we're out here making families. And so if the man and the woman connected uh are healthy, it spans out to our community. It spans out from the person, the couple, the household, and then the community. In the future, we do plan to expand it, although we talk about concepts that help uh, parent relationships and friendships. And, you know, we talk concepts that are universal because we have seven factors of love, we have seven foundations of love. So we talk about things that are universal, but our focus right now is strengthening the, the romantic relationships between the black woman and the black man, because we see that has, has been the dissension and it affects our community as a whole. It affects all aspects. And so we work on helping us to shift our mindset and do it around integrity and in learning the skills that will help us to change who we are and how we show up. And having said that, at uh, 30 minutes after the top of the hour, another question for you. In a society, and this is what we are just discussing, is that often perpetuates negative stereotypes and systemic injustices against black individuals. How can practicing self-love and self-care serve as acts of resistance? It's not like that. Acts of resistance and empowerment within the realm of black love. Yeah, that's a powerful one. I think like, I, I go back to, again, I'm going to just say this briefly because I think everyone should know about Black Love Day. The African-American Holiday Association has a Black Love Day. And we and, and love in itself is a form of empowered resistance. And, and think about that for a second. It's, it's a radical act when you can really show solidarity and love and healthy connection within ourselves. That, that's the first thing. Like, I have found within our communities that we minimize the power and the purpose of love because I think we have mixed context, context about it. But love in its, its purest form is a powerful act of healing and change and even resistance to the status quo or many of the, um, the injustices that we see. So I think just 
understanding and practicing love at a high level is such a critical way to show empowerment because we get all of these images that we're either not lovable or dysfunctional. Like now I see so many of us online showing up and you can clearly see that we don't love and don't respect ourselves. Or you can clearly see that we're not honoring um, each other. And so I think just radical acts of self-love and self-care are ways that can change how we're seeing. And I know it's, for many, we don't even believe that it's even possible because this has been uh, decades of conversation around the same thing. But I think us identifying healthy ways with ourselves and our relationships and changing the narrative, like it has to be a movement to change the narrative and challenge the social norms that we we see that really dismiss our value, that is the thing, the message that we have to give to the world. And the more we give that to the world by being it for ourselves, by being in a walking example of practicing self-love and self-care as a unit, because we also live in a world called where I see more of us being more individualized than ever. And I think it goes to, we've like to your point, self-hatred, we've learned to hate ourselves. We've learned to distrust each other and not honor each other and not even see each other. And I think changing self-love will extend to other people. Because how could you not love, how could you love yourself? I mean, true love, like Self-love is not something that's selfish because a lot of people think that. But when you really show up in a sense of self-love and self-care, you do one of two things. You you agitate people that don't show that themselves, or you inspire people that 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 see it and they're like, wow, that's 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 a beautiful way to be. And I'm gonna choose to believe that we could inspire more people. And just that act could stand out against the systems that really do oppress us. But we oppress ourselves by not choosing to do the self-awareness work to shift ourselves. Because here's the thing, this is my last thing I'm going to say about this. I think, Paul, for decades, centuries, (laughs) we've talked about the oppression of of our folks. And I do think that it exists, but I also think that us not choosing to empower ourselves will never change it. Like, it starts with us. Well, let me well, hold that thought right there, because we've got to take a quick break. We're 26 minutes away from the top. Yeah, let's get into the juicy stuff, dating. When we come back, and let's talk about Yay. dating. Yes, let's talk about it. It's Valentine's Day, family, because, you know, some folks feel they can't date. They're dating down or dating up. I want you to get into that when we get back. And what do you tell folks when they come to see you? 800-450-7876. You two can join this discussion with a relationship expert, Renee Miller. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Free in the DMV, run FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power.
And good morning once again, family. 20 minutes away from the top of the air. I guess the uh, relationships expert, Renee Miller, out of Baltimore. And you got a question about a relationship? This lady you need to speak with, 800-450-7876. Happy Valentine's Day, by the way. Before we go back to her, though, let me remind you, coming up later this morning, we're going to speak with Dr. B. Dr. B is a metaphysician and uh, master herbalist. We can talk about uh, folks who want to lose weight. He's got, an, uh, he's got an alternative for those who are considering taking that chemical jam. He's also going to discuss the effects of sugar. And tomorrow, uh, Captain, Balt, uh, Captain Andrew from Baltimore, I should say, is going to join us along with the Nubian leadership circles of Brother Siddiqui Kambon, also chemitologist Tony Browder will be here, and Pan-African Heritage Museum's uh, Coco Yanka will join us from Ghana as well. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in tight on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. All right, Renee, let's talk about relationships because earlier we said that there is somebody for everyone on this planet, and, and you mentioned that, you know, People now, and they call them passport bros. They, 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 they've built in, they're bought into the, the stereotype of, of our sisters. So they now they're looking for looking for love, but they're looking for love outside the boundaries of the United States. They're going yeah. to the Caribbean and they're going to uh, the continent looking for love. Uh, I just want to get your your thoughts on that. Is is it, is that something that uh, you teach that uh, you know that the, the, your significant other, if, because there is one for everybody, as you say, who follow that premise may not be within the boundaries of the U.S. Is that something that you, can, when you consult with your your folks, is that what you talk about? Yeah. So this is a this is an interesting topic. Um, initially, my focus is on black men and women here in this country. However. We have relationships in the continent. Um, the first love camp went to Tanzania, and we did a, um, a partnership where we were taking women over there who may have wanted to connect with love from in the continent. So it is an option that we have provided if when we go on retreats and because we have connections with uh, our partner side tours. But it's not something that I start with, and, I, and I'll tell you why. Because I do believe that love is out there for everyone. I also feel, like I said earlier, most of us are not even obtaining it because we don't know how. So, yes, I do think that you can get it in other places, but not for the reason the past the passport always talk about. Because I don't I don't endorse a mindset that says. You know, like let's say that black women were like, you know, the men over here, they're no good. They don't have anything to offer. The black men ain't worth it. So I want to go somewhere else. No, I don't endorse that. What I do um, say is if you want to experience love and you're open to it here or somewhere else, I can facilitate and help you find love. That's how I approach it. Because I don't want to give up on us uh, over here out of unhealthy uh, narrative. I don't endorse that. Well, help us out. So, so you took the the love camp to was it Tanzania? How did it work out? Our very first, our very first love camp was in Tanzania. Where we went over there and we talked about cultivating love with self, and then with a significant other. And our curriculum aligned with the excursions that we did in Tanzania to re re. Um, kind of re like to establish and solidify what we were teaching versus um, what we were doing. So it, it, it made sense so much more and we're doing it again, but this time we're going to Ghana and the curriculum will line up where we're talking about how do you 
create love with yourself first, and then how do you cultivate that with someone else with the right healthy um, love skills? And it was beautiful, Cole, because when we went to Tanzania, we had someone that went with us who was having challenges with their relationship. They came back and did another love camp with us and got engaged at that event. So, you know, wait, wait, wait. don't do a drive-by here. Hold on a second, Renee. They got engaged. They being engaged to to Tanzanian to a brother from the continent. So they didn't get engaged to a Tanzanian, but there were people that connect. They got engaged to someone that was over here, but they were struggling in their relationship. So they were having challenges. They learned the skills that we talked about. They were even close to breaking up. This was a man, and then. When a year, not even a year later, they joined us in our tan, um, our love camp Santa, which is only for couples. And when we came back, he got engaged to his uh, fiance, who at the time when they were in Tanzania, just eight months prior, were on the verge of breaking up. So I say that to say we need to learn the skills. It is possible. Now, back to your question around uh, finding someone in another country. Yeah, we have the ways to do that and when people go with us our curriculum especially single women or single men we set up opportunities to a part of our curriculum to engage with other culture other um the cultures in in the continent so that they can practice the relationship skills we talk about if there's a spark there that's beautiful like we had someone that went with us in tanzania and there was a spark they still are in contact today so anything is possible when you are open and you're changing your narrative and you're working on your relationship skills. In, in issues when they come to you with problems, is trust the, the major issue there? Is trust the major problem or is it something else? Um, trust is one and low confidence. You'd be surprised at how many um, men and women that I interact with that have called with me who are out in the world looking like they're, they're, they're boss women and men, but they have low confidence. So trust is one, but uh, low confidence is another. Um, and then I think the low confidence extends to so many areas of their life, like them not knowing how to trust themselves. Um, but yeah, trust with self and others is what I've seen. And then, it stems into low confidence. Well, when you say low confidence, it's, what, what do you mean when they, they have low confidence? Is it low self-esteem or, or is it something else there? Yeah, it's a combination. So when I say low confidence, I mean they don't feel confident in their choices. They don't feel confident in their ability to be able to have love. They don't feel um, confident that they're even worthy of love. Like that word that love is for them. They feel like it's either for everybody else or it's just not something that's obtainable. And what is it? Is this on, just on emotional or physical? Is because maybe how they look or they're too short or too fat or, you know, um, what, what is... I think it goes to what we talked about earlier. I think it's their beliefs about themselves. It could be all of it. Like, I was talking to a woman and she was saying that she doesn't feel like um, a man will accept all of her. That comes up a lot, like being fully accepted. I was talking to another woman and she was like, you know, I feel like, you know, 
a lot of our men don't want women that are over 45. They want women that are younger. And then they have low confidence in how they look or sometimes it's low confidence in um, being fully accepted as enough. Like some women I talk to, they say, you know, I don't know if I, if, if they will, if I have what they're looking for, if I'm enough, that comes up a lot. So that's why I classify it as low confidence, but it really comes down to a self-esteem, but it, it shows up in so many different ways that their confidence is really low. All right, family, you just joined us 12 away from the top hour with the uh, relationship expert, Renee Miller. Renee, what about uh, uh, people with children, ladies with children, brothers with children? Do they have a more difficult time in finding love, new love, I should say? Um, they can, yeah, because people have their preferences in, the, in this arena, and a lot of people <clears throat> have their strong preferences around you know, if they will date someone with a child and then to what degree, what's the age of the child, what's the circumstance. Um, so it is a little bit harder. I think it's harder for the single parent and oftentimes the single parent is a black woman. Um, and so it is a little harder, but I, I always say even that you can navigate, it does depend on how young your child is. Like someone who has a child is under that might be challenging because that child needs so much of you. Unless you have a support system, it may be more challenging. So what advice do you give those? Did you tell them to just wait a while till the child grows up some more? McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, I, I usually say definitely see if they can have, definitely prioritize your child. That's very important. I also do find that don't wait until your child is, 15, because I also know people come up to me that are like, I haven't dated in 10 years. I haven't had love or anything in 10, 15 years, which blows my mind. So I would say first I tell them, give your, your child your attention to a point where they are a little in, more independent, but you still got to raise them until they're, you know, I think, you know, 18 or over. But then I also say make sure you have a strong support system because, it's not that you can't date. If your child is is younger than a teenager, you can date, but you just need a support system. What does a support system look like? You need a strong partnership with the father, if possible. You need um, family members that will help. You need to make sure that you prioritize and set uh, time so that the person you're going into let them know my child is a priority. Um, but love is important to me too. How can we make this work? Or are you open to be flexible at this time? So just having those conversations early on is also important and also having the right expectations about what's doable and what kind of person would be a would that would support your your lifestyle with being a parent, someone who works and so forth. So I think it takes really getting clear on 
how to set your life up. So the dating is part of it, but you know how to prioritize your child with a nice, healthy balance. And if the child is young, you do have to give it some time um, because I see people out here dating their child is two. To me, that, that is the time where you give full attention to your child. But that doesn't mean you have to wait till your child is 10. <laughs> it just means that that time period where that child really, really needs you is to navigate and spend time with that child, with your child. You know, eight away from the time period. I'll come on, baby. I got to ask you this question, though, Renee. Uh, at what age can, if, that you, can you tell your child that, you know, you've got a friend? How do you maneuver through that? At what age do they can understand? Or you've got, you've got, you've got a friend. You've got a special friend, and, and you know how do you approach it to the child? How do you tell them? The, 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 uh, and how do you set the boundaries? Can they stay overnight and all that kind of stuff? Because you've got to go through these discussions with children. But what age do, do the children can comprehend that this is not he's not my dad or she's not my mom? And what are you doing here? And how? Or, or, why are you holding my mom and you know, my dad's hand? You know, at what age are they really <laughs> can understand what, what's what's actually going on? And I'll tell you what, we can take the break and we come back. I'll let you re- respond to that question. Family, we're talking about black love this morning with relationship expert Renee Miller on Valentine's Day. You got a question? Reach out to us. 800-450-7876. Phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Where information is power. And good morning once again, family. Happy Valentine's Day. A minute after the top of the hour, the master herbalist, the metaphysician, Dr. B is on deck. We'll get to him momentarily. Let's wrap up with the uh, relationships expert, Renee Miller. Renee, Hale's calling from Baltimore on line two. Once uh, speak with you, have a comment or a question. Hale, good morning. Is Hale there on line two? Not here in Hale. Oh, it's Haki. I'm sorry. Good spelling, Kevin. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he got he got me, brother Carl. Yeah, we got you, brother. Hey, good good after, good morning, good morning, Carl. Good to hear you, good good Kevin. Good to hear, Sister Renee. Good morning, Aki. Hi, pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Hey, uh, I I actually I w- woke Kim up and she's on the line. Kim, you here? Yes. Good morning, Renee. I couldn't miss this. I know Black Love Day is yesterday. And I said to myself, my sister Renee is the expert. I have to make sure that I shout her out on the uh, the line this morning and make sure that I ask you a question about how we reconcile European holidays and what it means in the context of our relationship. I mean, is, is it like us trying to duplicate? It's like, okay, let us do another version of a European everything, or should we just get this, uh, um, you know, just stop celebrating uh, you know, any version of Valentine's Day and acknowledge that every day is Black Love Day for Black people. All right. Thanks, guys. That's a good question. All right. Go ahead, Renee, because we're running late. Okay. Uh, no, I, I think it's the latter. I think at the end of the day, Black Love, it, it should be a year-round practice of who we are and loving on ourselves and putting more love in the world. But I also like the idea of having Black Love Day because for many of us, we can't do 365, at least let's do one day and then move our way up 
but definitely not replacing Valentine's Day at all. I think we should practice it and move up to a whole year. All right. Before we let you go, Renee, how can folks reach you, and how are you and the Love Camp helping to create more self-love, self-care in the black community? And how, if folks want to get involved, they got those kind of issues, how can they get to you? So they can reach us at thelovecamp.co, not .com, .co, thelovecamp.co. And we have multiple ways that you can join us in the effort of self-love. One of them is we have a five-day love challenge coming up. It's next week. It's going to be five days moving you through what it takes to self-love yourself all the way up to creating an action plan for more love in your life. And then we mentioned the Ghana trip. The Ghana trip is coming up in October invite you guys to join us with that as well. So everything is on our website, or you can personally reach out to me at 240-415-8559. All right. Thank you, Renee. And thank you for the work that you do keeping the, keeping our people together, finding Black Love family. If you're looking for Black Love, contact Renee. Renee, one more time with that number. 240-415-8559. Thanks, Renee. Happy Valentine's Day again. Thank you. Wonderful day. And thanks, Kim and Haki, for the calling. All righty. Thank you, Haki, again. And Kim. Four after the top of the hour, Dr. B, welcome back to the program. I'm glad to be here. How's it going? It's going great. How, how are you doing this morning? Because, you know, people ask people like yourself, like Dr. B, I know he's a metaphysician. He's also a master herbalist. So you shouldn't have any complaints. So how are you doing? Though? I'm going to ask you anyway. Well, at this moment, I'm doing phenomenally well. And no matter who we are, if we're on the planet, we do have challenges, you know, ups and downs, and that's just a part of life. But, you know, once you have a goal and you know where you're going and you have a an ID, you know, you know what who you are, and that's, you know, being authentically real. You know what I'm saying? And moving towards a goal, you focus on the best, and you do the best, and you, you always, you know, look at the, you know, being an optimist. So today is optimized for us doing our very best. And you know what, Doctor, we've seen now the, the epidemic of people using, we're not going to mention the name of the drug, but people taking that jab. We saw Oprah do it, so everybody figures, I want to lose weight. Let me take that jab and lose, and lose weight and look fantastic, as they say Oprah looks. And, and it's picking up in, in our community. You know, whenever, whenever she says something, they do something, people just follow it because they believe it's gospel. Because if she did it and it works for her, they figure it can work for them. But what, do you have any alternatives for folks who want to lose weight and they don't, they don't, they don't want to put chemicals in their body? Well, first of all, this thing about weight gets real funny because a lot of folks, when, see, your mind is controlling everything. It's your perception of things. So people used to be heavier. If you go 30 years ago, 40 years ago, it was uh, sexy or better to be a little heavier. Now it's about being super thin and looking perfect. And what happens is that sometimes we're chasing something that is an illusion or a delusion. And we're not being real with ourselves and we're not making the changes or the shifts or the adjustments that would cause us to look better, feel better and be better. So, you know, folks want to take the fast route. Just take this shot. Just do this, this new fad, this thing. When actually what we have to do in our mind is a, a visualize, right? First, visualize what is it we, we are like? What, what, what would we like? What, where would we like to be? Who would we like to be? A lot of people don't know who they are, and they think that, you know, losing weight, you know what I'm saying, putting on the makeup, putting a filter on your on your, uh, your, your, your IG or whatever so that you look a certain way. And we get caught up in, you know, how we look. 
instead of who we are, you see. So it, it, it's, these, this, it's, it's interesting, and people don't even look at the side effects of some of this stuff. You want to take, you know, a shot or a pill or something to get you there quickly. And I was just looking at some of the side effects of some of these drugs that people are using to, to uh, supposedly lose weight fast. Thyroid tumors, cancer, huh? lumps in the neck, hoarseness, trouble swallowing, shortness of breath. It, it goes on and on and on. The list is ridiculous. It's, 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 it's like we would take a chance to get there quickly, the shortcut, versus taking the long cut and doing the work and going through the exercise and eating correctly. You know, a lot of folks would like to get there quick because it's part of a mental illness. You know, there is mass schizophrenia. And, you know, when you look up the the, 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 the site, when you look up the definition of schizophrenia, you realize that most of the people have it. Most of the people who live in the mainstream, who believe everything they tell you in the news, who believe the politics, who believe all the games, and who have been tricked over and over and over are slightly – I shouldn't say slightly – actually schizophrenic. We've snapped. We've lost our mind. And not all of us, because some of us, you know, we know what to, what to, what to focus on, because we are aware. We're self-aware. We're being authentic, and we have goals. And realistic goals are important. When you say the word lose weight, your subconscious says, we don't have something. We've lost it. So go find it. So what, just the term lose weight is going to cause you to gain weight. That's deep. The subconscious is listening to your words, and it's not listening to what you think the words mean. It's listening to the energy. When something is lost, you're triggering your body to go find it. So you might say something like, you know, I'm looking to reduce my weight, or I'm looking to look, you know, healthier, feel healthier, be healthier. Just losing weight is not necessarily going to make you healthy. You see what I'm saying? I don't care what these stars and these – and it's funny that we call the celebrities stars. This is really deep. You call the celebrities stars. Why? When, in fact, the stars are suns, and the stars are giving us information from the cosmos. But by you calling these people stars, right, you're missing out on the energy of the stars that can give you the cosmic energy, and you will now wake up because, we, you know, we're star material. You'll wake up from a deep sleep. Once you realize that uh, almost everything that we've learned in the last 2,000 years has been about deception. We just left the age of deception. The age of deception is the age of what they call Pisces. Look at it. The last 2,000 years, every type of scam, every type of lie came up with, you know, the most in most of the 26,000-year calendar, if you look at it, the last – 2,000 years has been all about lies, all about deception, all about deceit, all about getting people to believe something that's not even factual, has no scientific valid validation. You see, we have just moved out of that age. We're now in the age of what they call Aquarius. Aquarius is about truth. Uh, Aquarius is about being authentic. It's about being real. It's about actually seeing something. We have these three things. We have what we call labels, what we call something. That's not what it is. It's just what we all agree to call it. So a tree. We all decide to call this a tree. The tree doesn't call itself a tree. 
You see, but we all have chosen that. But that's not exactly what it is. It's a bundle of specialized energy in plant matter that creates this energy that's always expressing itself as what we call a tree. And then we have references. References are things that, you know, we heard about, we learned about. We may not have any actual experience with what's called a reference. It's just an idea to let us know possibly where we are, where we're going, and where we could go. But how many people are having what's called a referent? A referent is an actual experience. If you were there, you saw it. In the last 2,000 years, almost everything we have learned has been labels created for you, not by you, and references, ideas about things, what things are. Today is supposed to be about love, right? Most people don't even know what love is. If you ask somebody, what is love? You, somebody says they love you. You say, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? And they say, well, you know what I mean. No, I don't know what you mean because everybody's perception of love is different. Some people feel that, you know, they don't love they, – they, well, they, they feel that love is, you know, gifts, candy. But wait a minute now. This is deception because if you love me, you wouldn't give me a poison. Did you know that can't, that sugar, processed sugar, is a toxic poison? It's the number one drug. The number one drug, the hardest thing to get off of is that sugar. But you love me, so you're going to give me some something that's like crack to show love. And you know, Carl, I remember years ago I was dating this, this young lady, and we were having a great time, and you know, we hadn't been together but maybe six months, and and then Valentine's Day came. So I stopped by C's Candy in Los Angeles and bought a nice box of candy. I got to her house. I gave her the flowers and the candy, and she looked at me like I was crazy. She said, what is it? I said, well, you know, candy, happy Valentine's Day. She says, you know I don't eat C's Candy. I said, huh? She said, I only eat Edderman's. I said, huh? Well, I didn't know that. Well, you should know. If you loved me, you would know what kind of candy I like. You would have asked me. She had an attitude. Do you know that was the day we had to break up? Because I realized that her perception of what love was, right, and what which candy, then which ideas I was supposed to know about what she was thinking, about what she felt, was all confused. Most of us are confused on who we are. We don't even really have self-love all the way. So you have a lot of people that will take a drug. Right to lose weight, take they, they'll take a drug to try to look beautiful. They'll take an operation. They'll take something that they may not wake up from to try to look beautiful. When black is beautiful, or however you were born is actually beautiful, if you realize that you need to be you. People are not being themselves because they've been deceived in the age of deception. Most of these holidays, and somebody said it, I think earlier. Most of these holidays are not even ours. We join these holidays and we get involved with this stuff because that's what Master gave us. And we say, oh, no, we're free now. Well, I don't know because I don't know if you're mentally free. I don't know if you're ready to let go of some of these traditions that keep you sick. You know how much candy people are eating today? Do you know what sugar does to the body? Processed sugar? 
And yeah, how many hold on right there, Dr. B. We've got to take a quick break. When you come back, I'll let you explore that some more because you, you're right. If folks are out there now buying candies or, or flowers for, for their loved one. They probably love one probably say, hey, give me the cash instead of the candy or the flowers. But anyway, that's a different uh, topic. But the, the candy, the chocolate, because that's the way you say women love chocolate. And you, you just told us a little story about that, that that didn't work with you. But explain just when we get back, though, what does sugar do to the body when we ingest sugar? Folks, you want to join this conversation, hit us up at 800 450-7876. Speak to Dr. B. We'll take your calls in four minutes. Right here in Baltimore on 1010 WLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, information is power. And good morning, family. 21 minutes after the top of the hour. It's a hump day. It's also Valentine's Day, Black Love Day on display. Dr. B is our guest. Dr. B is a metaphysician and is also a herbalist, a master herbalist, I should mention. Before we left, we were talking about gifts for the day. And he was telling us about uh, candy and the sugar that's in candy. But Dr. B, he was about to break down the... Uh, the reasons why we shouldn't indulge in, in sugar and why do why do some, sometimes we feel like you know i want to have something sweet what is that what is that coming from help us out dr b well a lot of times we desire something super sweet because we've been programmed and that programming started a very long time ago when we began to accept artificial flavors artificial ingredients See, the industry, the sugar industry, right, is closely related to slavery. You know, we, a lot of us who came here to work for free, worked the sugar industry. Sugar cane, not cotton, that came later. And that sugar, right, was a natural sugar in the cane, right? When you eat that, you only eat a little small piece of it. A piece of it. Any of you who have had sugar cane, pure sugar cane, it, it it doesn't shock the system. It tastes really sweet, but you don't eat very much of it. You see, now we're drinking, a, if a person is drinking, let's say a Pepsi or a Coke or one of those, it's nine teaspoons or more of what processed sugar. The minute it hits your body, your body goes into shock. We don't realize it because we have gotten used to this shock and we look for this shock. We need this, that bliss point. It hits a bliss point and oh my God, I'm alive. I feel good. I'm happy. And this is because a lot of people don't know what happiness and joy really feels like naturally. When sugar was in, I should say, impressed upon us as the sweet thing that made everything perfect, we got hooked on it. We got hooked on a unnatural version, a processed version, which took it from a natural substance, which we could use just a little bit, you know, to sweeten our, our lives, to a straight up toxic poison. Sugar is, is sugar cane is like cocaine. And a lot of us, you know, we want to talk about who's on coke and who's on drugs. And here you are with your coffee with nine tablespoons. My friend used to have like so much sugar. In his coffee. It was like he was putting a little coffee in his sugar. You see, and people need this to get going every day. They need something to shock their system to say, I'm alive and I feel good. It's, it's, it makes them happy for a minute. But actually, there's a downside. Because sugar affects every organ of the body adversely. 
It is. Let's talk about the side effects of sugar. The side effects of the candy you're going to give somebody you love today. Let's talk about that. High blood pressure. These are the side effects. And I, you know, let's get away from the word side effects. You know, even when we talk about drugs and things, let's talk, let's not mention side effects because that, that says that it's less than. There, it is the effects. Take the word side effects out of everything and say the effects. The effects of sugar can be, in lots of cases, high blood pressure, inflammation, weight gain, diabetes, cancer, ED, you know, a lot of men worry about that one. Stop eating sugar for six months and see what happens. Mental slavery, memory, memory issues, dementia, what they call Alzheimer's, fatty liver disease, heart attack, arthritis, depression, mood disorder. Did you know that most of the major issues we're having could be just caused by that molecule of sugar, which is electrocuting and shocking our system, and we're hooked on it? I'm talking about the processed version of it. People need something sweet because they don't have enough sweetness in their life. They're not happy because they are involved in something, in a system that they haven't been able to break free from. Why is it, Carl, every holiday has got to do with lots of food? And most of the foods, if you read the container, if it's, if it's packaged, has got all kinds of sugar in it. All kinds of sugar. I mean, uh, uh, if it says that it has four grams of sugar, that's a teaspoon of sugarcane. Four grams, and you don't know what that means. I mean, why, they, why don't you say a teaspoon? You, you, what, what's with the trickery? Because, see, we allow ourselves to be tricked. We allow ourselves to be deceived. And so many things that we call healthy have lots of artificial sugar. When I say artificial, I mean it's been changed from its original state. Now, if we were to look towards what is natural, what is natural that I could choose out there that would make my food or my dessert or whatever taste sweet? One of the best ones is called monk fruit. Monk fruit is a very sweet fruit, and you can get it now. It looks like sugar. It pours like sugar. They have it in a, in a bag at most of the stores or a box. Very good, but it doesn't touch the organs. It doesn't damage the organs. It doesn't shut down the liver. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't slow down or cause the heartbeat to, to skip. Another one is coconut sugar. Coconut sugar is amazing. This is what they use throughout Southeast Asia and in the Polynesian islands. Coconut sugar is totally natural, and it's not like regular sugar because it doesn't hit the blood. What we want is sugars that don't hit the blood or sugars that take a long time to digest. This is why white sugar, right, they say it is 99 on a glycemic index. The glycemic index is how quickly something is metabolized into your body so that your body uses it. 99 is at the top. That means the minute you touch sugar on your tongue, you're on crack. It hits immediately. Your whole body feels it. Now, monk fruit is down around two or three versus 99. Coconut sugar, I think, is about, what is it? Uh, I think it's in 20s on the glycemic index. You want to get away from things that hit the blood so quickly. Because when you hit the blood quickly, the body's got to jump in and it's got to try to reverse the effects of this toxic poison. So your, your pancreas is trying to make insulin, right, so that the, the sugar doesn't kill you. Do you know if you didn't have – sugar could kill you. And, and, and check this out. Do you know it was 
it was popular back in the days to hear about sugar mills exploding because sugar is an explosive. Sugar mills would explode. And one of the things they use, they used to use, they said they don't do it anymore. <laughs> you got to question when you're in the age of deception. They would use something called bone black. Bone black was used to help process the sugar. Bone black was the charred bones of animals, especially cows, chickens, and pigs, to, 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 to create this charcoal, right, to suck the impurities out of processed sugar. And one of the main impurities in processed sugar was pig's blood. Pig's blood? Yeah. Because pig's blood is acidic. And they needed something acidic to cause the sugarcane to crystallize because sugarcane normally doesn't just crystallize. Pig's blood. And then they, they use bone black because, you know, a lot of, a lot of your, your blood is made in your bones. So uh, there is an energy that where things made from bones, like charcoal made from bones, is able to suck the blood or the blood impurities, or the leftover blood, or the, or the proteins in blood into the charcoal. Yeah, I don't know how they figured this out, but, you know, when it gets down to it. There's a lot of stuff that they did back in the days that they may be doing now. I don't know. You better check with your, your sugar company and see how it's being processed. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And did you also know, Carl, that when these sugar mills would explode, and it was mostly people of color working in these places for free or for very little, when they would explode, lots of black people would be burned to death. Do you know that there is I, – I've got to be, be very careful because I'm on the radio. There are stories that the black people's bones that were killed in the exploding sugar mill were used for bone black. They would go collect the bones. They get the people called bone collectors. The bone collectors would go and collect the bones of the burnt people and put it in the process to make bone black. I mean, this is connected to slavery on so many levels. And we love each other when we, you know, you're, this, 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 this is the day of love. Go, get, go buy somebody some candy with, a, with so much sugar. And a lot of people you're buying the candy for are already sick. You're bringing a sick person. You're bringing your mama, your daddy, who already has, you know, a lot of times a lot of the major diseases, and you bring them some candy. And nobody told you that that candy was going to cause all these after effects and all these uh, side effects and actually what caused their issue, right, whatever, whatever disease that they were dealing with, to become worse. We're killing ourselves, and we can blame somebody. We can say, well, that's the sugar industry did that to me. Well, you know, you are the one. This is like you know, you tell, like my aunt said, them people just need to get off them drugs. 
This is my aunt was talking about the drug people, people on drugs on the street. They just need to get off them drugs. Well, you just need to get off that sugar. See how easy that is. You can get off heroin in, in about a month, two weeks to a month. For the average person, it takes almost six months to get off sugar. I remember when I was trying to get off sugar, man, sugar was calling me. I sleep, man. I could, sugar cubes was in my mind. You see what I'm saying? It's just like it calls you. What I'm saying is that the sweetness of life is something that we have to have internally. We have to have love for ourselves first. We have to have respect for ourselves. We have to wake up and realize that the age of deception is gone, but now we have self-deception. We believe that they're coming to save us. Somebody's coming to save you. We believe that things are going to be all right. You believe that your government and all these different organizations is going to help you. You got to help yourself, and it starts in your home. It starts with what you eat. It starts with when you walk down the aisle of that store and pick up that product. If it's in a box, if it's in a can, if it's in a bottle, you need to turn it around and look and see how much sugar is in it. And they got so many different types of sugar, invert sugar, this sugar, that sugar. But what it is is these these things that are are, are, are causing this bliss point where we feel good have been uh, scientifically engineered to make you feel good. So you just go to work and get along and just do what you got to do as a slave. We got mental slavery now. It's in the mind. So if you're going to love somebody, then give them something that's going to what? Promote health. Are you willing to do that? Otherwise, then you are a deceiver also. So we can talk about what they did, but what are you doing? How many right. foods? And hold the thought right there, Dr. B. We got to take a, a short break here, and we got a bunch of folks want to talk to you. I got, also got some tweets for you as well. Family, our guest is Dr. B. He's a metaphysician. He's also a master herbalist. You got a question for him? Reach out to us at 800-450-7876, and we'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. Good morning once again, family. 21 minutes away from the top of the hour. Our guest, he's a metaphysician. He's also a master herbalist. His name is Dr. B. Dr. B. Dr. B. We're talking about black love today. And we're talking because it is Valentine's Day. It's hump day as well. But it's Valentine's Day. And those who you were thinking of buying uh, candy, C's candy. Oh, I shouldn't have mentioned the name. So you mentioned uh, candies for, for your loved one to prove that you love one. Well, Dr. B's uh, dissecting that. Before we go back to him on your phone calls, a bunch of folks want to talk to you. And I got some, some tweets for you, Dr. B. Let me just remind you, coming up tomorrow, Baltimore's Captain Andrew is going to join us. He's got a program taking place this weekend. Also, the um, Nubian Leadership Circles, Brother Siddiqui Kambong will be with us. Tony Browder, a chemotologist, will join us as well. Also, Pan-African Heritage Museum's uh, Kojo Yanka will be with us from uh, from Ghana. He's going to talk about the fact that uh, you, the, the Brits stole some artifacts from Ghana, and now they're returning some of them, and so he's going to tell us what's going on with that. So, if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in tight on 1010 WLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. I, uh, Dr. B, let me take some calls for you. Line 6, Mike is calling. Mike's on line 6. He's calling from Baltimore. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Carl. Can you hear me? Sure. Uh, Doctor, the first question I have is, look, I want to explain the situation. My wife and I owned the daycare for five years. Every morning when the parents would drop off their kids, they would drop them off with some oodles and noodles or some type of noodle program uh, uh, product with salt. And they would also bring them these little sips, these little juices in a bottle. 
So the kids were being at an early age, I'm talking about two to three years old, conditioned and programmed for salt and sugar. How can we change that in, in our culture, in our circles? Because all of the kids, you know, it's easy, it's convenient, and we even would tell them it's bad for them, but they would continue to do it because it was easy to do. And the kids are eating that stuff more and more each day. So I'll take, I'll take your answer off there. Well, first of all, we got to realize that we have to take responsibility with children. And nowadays, a lot of folks just are not ready to do that. They feel like they're too stressed. They got too much going on. And they just feed the children or give the children whatever just to shut them up, to keep them quiet. And, uh, yes, it's, you know, salt, sugar, fat, you know, uh, gluten, all of these things are poisoning not only the children's mind but everybody's mind. And it, it gets deep because once you realize, and you're sending your child to school, right, in the name of love, you want your child to have the best education possible. You want their brain working 100%. Isn't that right? Well, during the age of deception, you would feed your child <clears throat> something that shuts down the brain because that's what processed sugar tells your brain that is under attack. Processed sugar hits your tongue. Immediately, your brain goes into brain freeze, paralysis. There is an organ called the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus is the organ that tells you that you've had enough of something or you haven't had enough of something. It creates balance or homeostasis in your body. Sugar shuts the entire brain down. So you can't think, you don't know if you've had enough of something or too much of something. In fact, if you give a child a sugary drink just before they eat, you could give them some healthy food, let's say you salad or whatever, but give them a sugary drink just before they eat. They don't even, their body says they need more food. They haven't even eaten. If you give, if you have a sugary drink before you eat, your body can't register that it just ate. Go ahead. That was a mistake. Go ahead, Dr. B. So what we're doing by having these sugary things, we're shutting the child down. You're actually causing the child to fail. I mean, I was in the school one time, and I just noticed all the, 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 the machines, the vending machines in the hallway. I couldn't believe it. It, it was not one healthy choice, not one healthy item in the vending machine. This is the school and the PTA. And they're talking about, oh, boy, at the PTA meeting. We want the children. We need our children to do better and to such and to excel and to go on to college. And the, you, the children, are brain dead. And we can blame it on somebody else, but you you bought that stuff. Well, you know, a lot of parents say, well, you know, if I don't give it to the children, they're going to cry. Well, let them cry. I remember when our children used to cry because they couldn't have this, some of this stuff. Well, we just let them cry. But see, people can't handle that no more if the child cries. You know, just give them whatever. The child needs whatever because we coddle them too much. We give them too much. What we should be is offering more bitter foods, more whole foods, foods in their natural state. Because after you eat food in its natural state for a certain amount of time, your brain wakes up. And you stop craving sugar. You stop craving so many artificial things. We want our, see, artificial sugar also goes to artificial programming. It goes to everything it, because now you are artificial intelligence. And this food, even now, 
even fast food now compared to what it was in the 70s is totally on a whole nother level because they're using pure science to program your children, your people to make you feel. And see, here's the thing. The fear of missing out is huge. They make you feel, if you, well, I should say, <laughs> they cause a, a reaction in you that makes you feel <laughs> or you allow yourself to feel like you're missing out on something. You're missing out. So you don't want your child to miss out on anything. So you got to do all these holidays. You got to feed the child sugar. You got to get a child a tablet and not take the phone away. You got to do all those things because you don't want the child to miss out. You don't want them to cry. And you don't want to be bothered because everybody in the house is on crack. And your brain does not work correctly. You can't really know love. You, it's impossible to know love. Now, check this out, Carl. It's impossible to truly know love if your brain is shut down. You know why? Because love, the energy of love, comes from the pituitary gland. It makes oxytocin, which creates the hormone, which causes the connectivity and the energy we call love. If your brain is on processed sugar, your hypothalamus, your pituitary, and your pineal have been shut down. You don't know what love is. You know like a lot. Most people don't know what it is because the, the sugar, and, and, you know, and a lot of people haven't talked about this. Sugar is one of the main things. They told you it was fat. They lied. It's the fat. It's the trans fats and the this fat. Well, who created that story? The sugar industry blamed the fat industry, right? And all of a sudden now we're so sugar-coated that we are now like, you know, you know there's, this, there's this experiment they do. They take mice and they put them in a big vat. And in the middle, they have like a little place that they can get to. They're in this big vat of water. And they got to swim to this, this, this one little area to save so they don't save themselves, so they don't drown. They fed one group of mice natural food, all natural food. And the mice were able to swim through the water and find a safe area. Then they gave the other mice sugar. The mice could not find a safe place. They were all discombobulated. They were drowned because their brain cannot handle the electric shocks, the electrocution caused by these fast foods. And almost all the fast foods are full of sugar, all the stuff in boxes and cans. And we want to know what's wrong with us, why we can't, you know, why we can't regulate ourselves. Why can't we break free? If we're at a time now, we're out of the age of deception, we, now we deceive ourselves. Now we are in the age of truth. We're in the age of true, true love. And love is not something that you got to force. Something, it's just, love is something that just happens. And love sometimes is not going along with this BS. You got to get real and get honest. And yeah, people are going to cry. People are going to be upset for a minute because we're hooked. And we got all these drugs masquerading as foods. We got to get down to some natural foods. Let's try something. Everybody here who's listening, if you really love yourself, let's go 28 days. 28 days, no processed sugar. Read every bottle, every can. If it's got processed sugar, don't eat it. Find yourself some salad, some natural foods, and something you can cook. You see what I'm saying? For 28 days. Try your children for 28 days. I bet their minds will come back online. They'll get very creative. But right now, we're telling people to stay off sh- to, to stay off drugs, don't do drugs, 
Well, let's include that white sugar. And if it's white, you need to be careful anyway. You know, white ain't done us too well. So I don't know why you figure white sugar is going to help you. But All right. Hold that thought right there, Dr. V. A bunch of folks want to talk to you. I had some tweets. 12 away from the top there. Dr. V is also a metaphysician and is a master herbalist. Roger's calling us from California. He's on line five. Good morning, Roger. Barry Gurney call. Uh, good morning, Dr. B. Uh, Dr. B, everything in moderation, including moderation. And I heard of a, a laboratory rat experiment. They gave one set of rats all the diets, healthy diet, natural diet, grain diet, whatever diet you can mention. It was just all the diets. And then another set of rats, they gave a restricted diet. They could eat all the foods, the healthy foods, the unhealthy foods, but they was going to have a restricted intake. And they found out out of all the diets, the healthy diet, the unhealthy diet, and the restricted diet, it was only one diet that led to a prolonged life in laboratory rats, and that was the restricted diet, which means you can eat anything you want to, but you have to curtail that amount. You know, you can't eat a large quantity of anything. But, but my, my question for you, Dr. B, is after this Super Bowl, which is the biggest of the holidays, I guess the stores didn't sell out of their Coca-Colas and Pepsi-Colas. So I went in the store, and they have cases stacked up as you walk in the door, discounted prices of Coca-Cola products. And then outside, I saw the Coca-Cola that comes up from Mexico. I guess that's a special uh, Coke. And they had those stocked up. So, Doctor, if you could comment on those sales things that they put on sale that induces us to buy those products. And I take your response out there. Thank you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. First of all, we induce ourselves. See, we got to get out of the age of deception where we've deceived ourselves that the enemy is doing something to hurt us. A lot of people, they don't, they don't like to hear this. They are only, what? Into supply and demand. You demand certain things, so they're going to give it to you. That's business. So it ain't about what they are doing. It's about what we're choosing. Now, if we choose to do things in moderation, because I don't know if I'm with that statement, then that means a little bit of crack every once in a while wouldn't be so bad. It wouldn't be so bad. A little shot of heroin wouldn't be so bad. As long as you could control it. There's some things you can't control. The minute you put a little bit of processed sugar on your tongue, you are high. People say, it's just moderation. Well, this is a way that we still can do some crazy stuff to ourselves and say, well, I just had a little bit of it. I'm saying you got to stop it. If you would like to be here because people are checking out quickly. Why? And they don't even want to they, they, they want to talk about why the person passed away? Well, you know, it was old age. Old age is, what, 150, 160 years old. So our life expectancy is being cut short because we feel we can do a little bit of everything. No, there's some things we don't need to be doing. 
There's some things we can't be involved with, especially if you got melanin. If you're highly melanated, if your people come from around the equator, there's some things you must stop now. And if you don't stop, then go. Just It's, it's all right. It's okay because we're not telling you. You know, we're not judging. We're just saying if you want to be here now, if you truly would like to live, if you desire to be at your best, which is this is the best time to be here, by the way, y'all. You're probably saying, you know, back in the day it was much better. I don't know because now you got a lot of choices. You could do a lot of things. You see, right now we're in the age of what they call this is the, the year of the dragon. What does that mean? This is in the Chinese calendar, which is actually a for for all um, to make it correct. Chinese calendar comes from the continent of the motherland, uh, Africa. I don't like to call it Africa because that's not really what it's called. But anyway, that's all right. What has it got to do with? What's this dragon? We are the dragon people, the dragos, not the not the reptilians. Okay, we are the original people. We are the fire. We we are when we're in our courageous self, we breathe fire. People were afraid of us. People didn't mess with us because we had courage, and we stayed in our villages and we ate our food and we loved ourselves. We didn't need somebody to tell us it was a day for, for you know to put it on the calendar on the Gregorian calendar. And who is Gregory? How did he get a calendar? All of a sudden, the day is the day of love. Every day should be love. But you got to get to what be loving is, and to be loved is is to be right, be righteous, and be real, and be honest. The dragon, right? The year of the dragon has to do with authority, taking your power back. You got the authority to step away from some of these foods. You can abundance. This is the year we're supposed to gain. You're you know, what, hold on to right there, Doctor, because we we're gonna take a short break. When you come back, though, I'll let you expound on the year of the dragon, what it really means for us, how you interpret that for us. I'll let you expound on that as I mentioned when we get back. Six minutes away from the top of the hour, family. We're gonna take a quick break, as I mentioned. We're back in four minutes, though, right here in Baltimore with Doctor B and your phone calls on ten ten WLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM ninety five point nine and AM fourteen fifty WOL, where information is power. Keep And good morning once again, family. Minute after the top of the hour with Dr. B. Dr. B is a metaphysician. He's also a master herbalist. And he's got an event that's taking place this weekend. Hopefully he'll tell us more about that before he leaves. Before we left, Dr. B was informed us that this is the year of the dragon. So, Dr. B, I'm going to let you t- continue to tell us about the year of the dragon. What does it really mean for us? It means that we should be stepping into the place of authority. And, and let me explain this, too, because... You know, a lot of times we talk about the full moons and we talk about the stars and these different things that have happened in these different years. Actually, they're just potentials. Everything is a potential. Even, you know, if, if you've taken herbs or, or yoga, uh, exercise, all these ideas are potential. They don't do anything. The year of the dragon doesn't do anything. Your birthday doesn't do anything, right? What does something is you stepping towards it and accepting it, you using it. So just by it being the year of the dragon doesn't mean that all of a sudden we're going to have all these great things. No, you have to step into it. You have to do something. You have to what? Materialize it. You have to become it. You have to become the thing. The year of the dragon symbolizes authority. We in the past gave up our authority. We became victims. And we went and voted victocrats. 
we let's vote for the lesser of two evils. What kind of what? Why we gotta vote for evil at all? That means that you you. I guess that's a little moderation. A little evil in moderation is okay. <laughs> no, it's not. We have to be the authority in our lives. It's about abundance, having something. A lot of people talk about what they don't have. I asked a lot of my clients, I said, well, what would you like? And they can't tell me. What would you like? And they start telling me what they don't like. I said, no, what would you like? And it takes almost an hour a lot of times with a client to get to the place where they tell me what do they desire. Because their mouth and their programming is all about looking at what they don't want. And if you keep looking at something, your reticular activating system, the part of your brain that causes you to what? Move towards what you're looking at. Let's say you want a, a red Mustang. And all of a sudden, you start noticing red Mustangs everywhere. You see, it, whatever's on the front of your brain, whatever you're focusing at, your body, your brain is programmed to find evidence of that thing. So if you say what all these corporations and what all these people have done to you and how bad it is, you expand that. You look for more of that. You look for more problems because the circle, if you make a circle and you say that this circle, is, this is the circle of things that I cannot control. If you focus on that, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and, and it engulfs your life. So now you need some sugar so you can stay in survival mode because now you're in survival mode. Sugar and certain foods and certain ways of eating and certain friendships and certain actions keep you in survival mode because you're looking for more evidence to prove right what you're focusing on is real. But if you make another circle and you say, these are things I can control, that circle gets bigger and bigger and bigger. This is the real, original, natural, organic psychology. You have the power to control what you're focusing on. If you tell me you don't have any money and you have 50 cents in your pocket, you just lied to yourself. Your whole body went into what? It went into fight, flight. It went into, you know, into this mode, this energy where it says, well, we don't, we're in lack and limitation. We don't have enough of anything. If you got 50 cents, you have money. And there's countries where 50, 50 cents is a lot of money, 50 American cents. But, you know, we, we're used to lying and saying things that, you know, our language is terrible. We speak the language of disempowerment. We talk about what we don't like. We talk about the problems more than we talk about solutions. So if you just do the 80-20 rule and only speak 20% of the time about the problems, in 80% of the time about solutions, everything will change. This is the year to talk about solutions. That's how you get into the abundance. If you got 50 cents, you need to put that 50 cents on the table and tell it to grow. Tell it to go find more of itself. Don't say, I don't have any money. Say, I have 50 cents, and I'm now gaining more. I'm going to collect more. I'm open. I'm ready to be poured into. This is the year of good fortune. Fortune, right, is not something that just happens. You got good fortune. Fortune means that I am already tuned to the thing that has not come to me. Fortuned. I'm fortuned on what? Love, harmony, peace, love. I'm fortuned. I am the fortuned. Before it happens, I'm already there. I am already focused on what it is I desire. And no matter what's happening around me, I am focused on what I desire. No matter what comes, no matter how many storms, no matter how many people, the enemy, no matter what they throw at me, guess what? I am fortuned because I'm fortunate. I'm fortunate. I'm focused on only what it is I desire. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to be tested because you will be. 
You will be tested every single day. You will go through trial and tribulation, which was to test you in getting to where you desire to go. Where would you like to go? This is the year where you're able to actually move towards your desires if they're clear enough. But if your desires is to be focused on what we don't have and how bad it is, you want to get more of that, right? This is the year of evolution, improvement, abundance, being there now, focusing your mind on what it is you desire. Now, tomorrow night, you know, I'm doing a free uh, workshop, a free uh, webinar. So you go to elevationtime.com, elevation.com, time.com, elevationtime.com. And there is a free uh, webcast tomorrow at 7 o'clock. And then this Saturday, you know, we begin this trilogy, this course. And this course that we're doing has a lot to do with who we are, who we're becoming, and how to create the magic, how to remember, restore, and rebirth ourselves. We have to remember way before what they call slavery. We have to be ready to restore our original selves and get rid of the false ID and the fakeness, right, and the fake up and all of that stuff that we gave away or was stolen, to, right? A lot of our IDs have been stolen, and we got to be ready for rebirth. So we got a three-part three, uh, three, uh, course coming up starting on Saturday, and we'll talk about that more tomorrow night. So make sure you're on you know, elevationtime.com, go to events, and you'll see the event for tomorrow, which is free. And also get on our email so that you'll know about the classes and things that are coming up. In fact, to get on that class this Saturday, you're going to have to get on our email list at elevationtime.com. But, Carl, this is the time that we've been waiting on. We've been talking about it. You know, and a lot of times people don't even – you could come to save people and help people, and they've been in hell so long they don't even want to leave. They, the hell, they're used to it. Heaven is weird to them. You can create heaven on earth right now. I'm saying we have to do it. we got to start with what we're eating. If you're eating anti-food, right, then you're into the anti-Christ. What do you mean, Dr. B? Well, the word Christ actually comes from crystal. And if you look in the metaphysical dictionary, it says the word Christ means what? To have a crystallized imagination. You're focused on walking on water. That's a symbol of homeostasis. You're what? You're focused on turning water into wine. What the heck is that about? That's transmutation. That's called alchemy. You're focused on taking the rocks and turn them into bread. See, these are analogies that you actually can do. But you got to be ready to move out of what survival mode into thriving mode. And I'm going to tell you what, what would really help you and re- what, you, what will help you realize where we are. Look up the Flexner report. Flexner. When you look that up, you will see how the educational system, the medical system, all of these systems, the political system and everything was twisted to get those who are blind, deaf, and dumb to go along with mental slavery. They played with the medical system, the terms. They got rid of everything that was natural that was working. This is like 1910. They got rid of everything. If you were at home and you were making, you know, you was a midwife, you know what I'm saying? You were an herbalist. You, you did anything natural. They made that illegal. They got rid of every natural medicine. They made you look like a quack. They said that what you were into was some snake oil. Actually, snake oil in Chinese medicine is pretty powerful. <laughs> but they, you know, they made it look that way, and they began to what broadcast that to everybody. 
So now all of a sudden the mother loses her power, and the mother, in the name of love, is giving her children sugar, gluten, and pure poison and excitotoxins that's going to cause that child to never, ever really learn anything that's really useful besides learning how to go work for, for minimum wage or just have a job. It's, what is school teaching you? Is school teaching you how to be independently wealthy? Is school teaching you, you know, your children how to start their own business and how to regulate money and how to become a bank? Yes, you could become a bank. You could become your own bank. We've actually done it. We're doing it right now. We're becoming our own bank. You putting your money down the street, right? So you know what? So they can make money off your money. I'm saying we have to become independently wealthy. And this whole time of the wood dragon, which this year is called the, the wood dragon, has to do with you taking over, you taking the boat, becoming the captain once again. You've got to be careful what you're eating, who you're hanging out with, what you're talking about, what you're agreeing to, and what they've got you focusing on. You're focusing on some things you have. You don't have any power. You can't control it. We focus on chemtrails, right? My friend, all he talks about is these chemtrails. That's all he focuses on. As soon as he walks in the room, there was no chemtrails in the sky until he walked in the room. I look at the sky's chemtrails. He look at that. See, so look at them chemtrails. They're trying to kill us. So what should we do? Your body goes into this mode of survival. There's nothing you could do. I'm saying, well, look, but if we focus on something that's great, let's put our feet on the ground and ground and get rid of the static electricity. Let's go eat something natural. Let's drink some water. If you start drinking water, drink enough water to help flush your system because your system, all of, its, uh, all of its functions need water. If you focus on sometimes fasting, this is a good day to fast. Don't eat that stuff. Where are you going for Valentine's Day? What you about to eat? Glazed chicken. If it's glazed, that means it's full of sugar. Glazed ham. I was at this place. They had glazed lobster. And what was weird about it is they put lobster on. They put this glaze on the lobster shell, right? And you cracked it open, I guess, because the shell had this sugary stuff on it. You got a little bit of the sugary stuff on your lobster. I'm like, this is weird, man. We're in some type of rituals, man. And you talk about, you know, black power and black magic. Well, that means to step away from the candy counter and stop going with the deception. Stop deceiving yourself and get real. And this whole thing about moderation, yeah, you need to look at that real carefully. You see, we need to become we, – we need to learn how to be in control and modulate. It's different than moderation because that just says I can eat a little bit of everything. I can have a little pork rinds every once in a while. And the 20 million trickiness worms in there, they, they, they won't be in the bite that I'm eating. Hold that thought right there, Dr. B. You got a bunch of folks that still want to talk to you. 12 after the top there. We'll cover a break as well. Sheena's on line one calling from Baltimore. Good morning, Sheena. Thanks for being so patient with us. No, I appreciate I'm really enjoying this. Um, a brother call and Dr. B. Listen, I, um, you know, I love my elders as well as children. And what I'm, you're absolutely right. Um, some of the elders that I have been ha- um, helping, particularly uh, my mentor, uh, Brother Ellsworth Johnson Bay, who passed about a year and a half ago, uh, uh, one of the things that a lot of our elders deal with is dementia, and that's sugar. Oh, Lord Jesus. Between the children and the elders. So for me, because I had learned about this sugar effect in our body, I made the decision. A lot of people say, well, you can't eat, you, you, why we got to do whatever. I started with kale, Dr. B, and I make a kale salad every week. 
and I eat between 12 and 6. I put nuts in it. I put uh, my berries in it. I just use lemon and avocado oil on it. And, 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 and oh, I wow. Hold that thought right there, Sister Sheena. We got to take a quick break. I'll let you finish your thought, your comment, or your question for, for Dr. B. 800-450-7876. Okay. You too can join this conversation with Dr. B. He's a metaphysician and also a master herbalist. And we'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If we're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning once again, family, 20 minutes after the top of the hour. Thanks for rolling with us all morning long. It's been another interesting morning here on this program. Our guest right now is metaphysician and master herbalist, Dr. B. Dr. B, I think he's based in Atlanta now. But before we left, we were speaking with Sister Sheena calling from Baltimore. So, Sister Sheena, I'm going to finish your comment or your question for Dr. B. Yes, Dr. B. So, I also brought a Vitamix, and in the morning, sometimes I'll do like a green juice with like kale, cucumber, and do sauerkraut um, because what I've what I found is that my thinking is now a whole lot clearer. You know, um, this food and like you were saying, this sugar, we've got to take responsibility for ourselves. And I don't have a problem sitting in the house making my own green juice now because, like I tell people, it take me thirty minutes to make the kale salad. People come on and pop in and get it. I'm like, y'all got to learn how to do this yourself because you've got you got to be able to take care of your health. This is how they're destroying our community because we are allowing it by what we put in our mouth. And like you said, we've got to read those ingredients. So one of the things I want to share, because I, I do, I like a little sweet myself, but I do vegan stuff now. Like I do an oat ice cream. I do a vegan cookie. Um, and, and if I do a chocolate, I do with cocoa, dark chocolate with cocoa. So just expound on those things if that's okay with, you know, if I'm not, I'm getting off of that, too, because I really am fine. I'll be 63 next month. I'm blessed because I don't have to take any medication or anything like that. But I want it to feel good. People say, oh, you look good. I said, I want to feel good. And so that's what we've got to understand is the nutrition that we're putting and the lack of water. There's a sister here in Baltimore, Sister Casa. Her family owns the springs that the alkaline water comes out of the springs. So I buy that water now from her, you know. So um, these are, this is so important. So I'll let you elaborate on that little question I just asked you about. All right. Thanks, Sister Sheena. Dr. B? I'm going to be very careful how I say this. <laughs> Ask yourself, where did kale come from? Did you know, and I'm going to let you do your own research, did you know okay. that there's a wide section of our population that cannot digest kale? I know you yeah. heard of it as a health food. I'm just saying, do your own research. No, yeah, if I heard I of it. I would try. No, I, I, let me. I'm talking now. Okay. Do yourself. Check it out. Check it out. I'm a little wild at times. Don't trigger me. You asked me the question. That's why I was answering. I know. I know. I know. I know. Just let me just say this much. Here's, here's what you okay. do. I ask people, a lot of my clients, I say, listen, let's do, let's go for romaine lettuce or collard greens or mustard greens for one month okay. and just see if there's a okay. difference. You know mustard, you know these things been around a long time. I'm not sure 
about these new things. Okay. And just check how you feel. Just do your own test because it, there's no one diet or one way of eating for anyone. But we got to test things. So, so when I got sick many years ago, what I did was I eliminated everything. I stopped eating. And then I began okay. to add one thing back at a time. And I realized okay. when I was done, the things that I could eat that didn't cause inflammation and all the different Ill- illnesses that they said I had. So each of us has to be individual. So I'm just saying right now, just look at that. Now, uh, I think your other question was, what was your question? Did you have a question? Sister, Sister Sheena? She's talking about uh-huh. kale. Oh, I guess she's gone. All right, we got That's some more folks want to talk to you, uh, Dr. B. 24 kale. after the top of the hour. Sandra's in, also in Baltimore on line two. Good morning, Sandra. Sandra's gone. All right, let's go to line six. Sarita's in L.A. Good morning, Sarita. Good morning, um, Dr. Bean. Um, I've listened to you for years. However, I wasn't taking what you were telling us um, as serious now that I'm aging. I grew up, I always tell this story how my grandfather died of a massive heart attack. So my mother slash grandmother changed our entire diet. I didn't grow up on sugar. I didn't grow up on red meat. I didn't grow, I didn't, she baked everything. We didn't eat out and this, that, and the other. So I understand the tools of what I need to do. However, I've been dealing with um, fibroid tumors so much so to the point where um, I've been uh, releasing so many blood clots constantly, just like blood clots, blood clots constantly. And I have refused what the doctor is saying, like, oh, well, she, she was like, well, they're small. You're, in, you're coming into menopause and such and such. And so there's no need um, to, to do anything. And they're, they're very small right now. However, I read, because you say do research, and that's what I've been doing, and I've been reading that they eat off sugar. Like, one of the things is their major thing is sugar, but those clots were ridiculous. Like, they they just come out as if they're just, you know, as you just releasing every time you release in the restroom. So my question to you is, and, oh, I want to tell you proudly that, this week is no sugar, and that is my addiction. So you are so right. The addiction to sweets is very it, – it's true. Um, but my question – and I'm going a week. I'll try and go to 28. I heard you say 28, so I'll try that. But um, I'm going – so far I'm four days in. So I'm I, – I want – my question is um, what would you suggest uh, regarding – fibroids because I hear this I hear that but I don't want an operation I don't want to take the hormone medication I don't want to do none of that but but the bleeding is profuse profuse and I really want to talk about that because women we deal with that in silence so it's very important that we we talk with someone so anyway I'll take my comments off the air thank you Carl for taking my call McDonald's is not new to chicken so maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, thanks, Sister Sarita. Dr. B? There's several studies now saying that fibroids, right, may be connected to what we're putting on our head, on our hair, what we're um, – plastic is a big problem, okay, plastics and microplastics. 
because plastics outgas, right? They're always drying out, and that outgassing creates something called xenoestrogen effects. Xeno or xenon estrogen are estrogen-mimicking chemicals. So soy and a lot of the plastic that we use today is made from soy, and uh, uh, eating things that are in plastic containers, right, can cause us to have estrogen dominance. They are saying now in the research that fibroids are caused by too many chemicals in the system, which drop down to the to the uterus because that's the lowest, you know, the gravity is the lowest area in the major in 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 the, in the body, right? And it collects there, plastics. But estrogen dominance is big in our society because the the animals they're pumping up the animals with estrogen growing hormones, like in cows, it's recombinant bovine growth hormone which makes the cow grow really fast and really big, right? And then we eat that, and those hormones connect to our hormones, and we have too much estrogen. And estrogen can cause prostate cancer, uterine cancer, and uh, you know, uh, breast cancer. A lot of the cancers that we're having have to do with, and, and tumors have to do with the body attempting to balance itself from too much estrogen. So we got to be very careful. We live in this plastic society. And the plastic is really causing a lot of problems. So I would make sure that I'm not eating anything that's been stored in plastic or something that is plastic. Somebody was telling me the other day, they were showing me that the rice at a lot of these restaurants is plastic. I'm like, no. Yeah, they got artificial rice now. It looks rice-ish, but it's not rice. Grandma would know because grandma still had the sense Right? She had an energy of knowing when something was right or wrong. They call it the, the natural sense of disgust. Do you know that even in psychology they talk about this, the sense of disgust is when people would know something was disgusting, an activity, a way of talking, a way of eating. They would know because they could smell the food and feel the food. Today, a lot of people can't smell and feel nothing. They don't know that some of, this ways that, some of these ways that we're living is actually disgusting because we grew up in this whole thing about, you know, this time uh, of, of being delusional or, or being deluded. I'm going to get into that tomorrow night on our free webcast. That's tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, elevationtime.com. Go to events and you'll see it. Then on Saturday, we're having a class. We're having a four-part class starting on Saturday. It's going to be with Dr. Mahdi, who is a, natural, uh, a naturopathic doctor who uh, actually started with us in Elevation 20 years ago. He's very knowledgeable. He lives in Spain. He's going to be with us. For four weeks, that will be an actual class starting this Saturday. So we're going to learn a lot about our health mentally, physically, and spiritually. That class is called The Soulful Science of Change and Manifestation. Or, oh, I'm sorry. Cancel, cut, delete, and clear. The Soulful Science of Change and Metamorphosis. We are going through an actual metamorphosis right now. Just like the butterfly coming out of the cocoon. Or, in, you know, caterpillar going in and coming out as a butterfly. We're going through that. So nature is getting rid of all the unnatural stuff, unnatural ways, unnatural living. You know, all of those things, we have to now get into a holistic way of life. And that's looking at everything, not just changing what we're eating, changing how we're talking, changing how we're looking at things. We now can actually do that because our genes, right? Check this out. I'm going to say this and then we can go on with the question. Did you know? That as, as of the 15th of January, everything on the planet shifted. 
We went from the old age into a new age. We went through this thing called the Maherta, which is every every so many years, right, on this 26,000-year calendar, everything shifts. We were in perfect alignment with, with the sun, Sirius, and the center of the galaxy. This was on the 15th, which marked – this happens, you know, this happens every 26,000 years – which marked us going through a huge shift on the planet. Trees, everything, plants, everything went through this shift. And now our genes, which have been shut down because we were so far from the center of the galaxy, our genes are opening up. So what they call junk DNA is no longer junk DNA. Your DNA, 90% of your DNA can be processed and controlled and changed and transmuted by you. But you couldn't do that before because our genes and our because of the amount of light that was coming from the center of the galaxy, we had been shut down. We went through the dark period. We went through the Iron Age. We're out of that now. We're out of the time of what? Disillusion. We're out of the the time of distraction, mass distraction. We're at a new time. And now the only thing that's going to make you go along with some of this mess that's going on is you. You You don't have to focus on that. Your genes are waiting for you to tell them. Your genes are your genies. The genie story is the story of your genes. You have got to program your genes with the best food, and you got to figure out what the best food is. And don't just go because they say it's a health food, because I was in a health food store the other day, and half of the food in there is health food. I couldn't believe it. It was so much sugar and salt, and this canola oil is in everything. What, what the heck is a canola? Is that a nut? How'd that get in the health food aisle? What is canola oil? They used to call it rapeseed oil. That's what they use in the hydraulics of trucks. It can never be broken down. It's in the health food store? I got to be careful because you can't say certain things against certain industries, but just do your own research. We got to begin to do some more ourselves. We got to start preparing our food at home. We got to start looking at labels, and we got to look at also who we are and who we are relating with, who we are, who are we agreeing with, who are we calling our group and our friends and our family? Because some of our right. groups and families are toxic. Hold that thought right there, Dr. B. We've got to take a short break here. And we'll come back, though. I wanted you to talk about uh, we got uh, Robert in Baltimore wants to speak. we got a tweet for you. But also, we've seen vegetarian Kit Kat candies now. Uh, you know, they're coming out and they say they're vegetarian. <laughs> Can you explain what's going on with that? Since I was like an oxymoron, but I'll let you respond to that when we get back. 26 minutes after the Tom Day Our Family, we'll be back in four minutes with Dr. B and your questions right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning once again, family. 21 minutes away from the top of the hour. Thanks for rolling with us all morning long. Our guest is Dr. B. Dr. B is a metaphysician. He's also a master herbalist. Before we go back to him, though, let me just remind you, coming up tomorrow, we're going to speak with the uh, new the Nubian leadership circles. Brother Sadiki Kambon join us from Boston. Also, Baltimore's uh, Captain Andrew will be here. Chemitologist Tony Browder will join us as well, along with Kojo Yanka, who's from the Pan-African Heritage Museum that's in Ghana. He'll join us as well. So if you're in Baltimore, 
Baltimore. Make sure your radio's locked in real tight on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, you're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Dr. B, if you can shorten up on the answers, I'd appreciate it because we've got some folks who want to talk to you and got some tweets for you as well. So real quickly, the vegetarian Kit Kat, those candies now, they say that are vegetarian in the stores? And um, I'd like to say that the companies and corporations that are now making vegetarian and vegan foods, you know, uh, they're to be applauded because they're attempting to change the the narrative. And also it has to do with popular demand, you know, of more people who ask for this and look for this, you know, then those companies will begin to change. Uh, I would love to have seen – when I look at the ingredients, the first one is sugar. What type of sugar? It's the first ingredient. So now sugar is supposed to be vegetarian, depending on how they processed it. And then wheat flour is like the third one, and wheat is gluten. So this is not a gluten-free uh, uh, product. And um, if you start looking into gluten and the effects that it has on the body, it's like glue, and it shuts down our digestive tract. And what interest, what's interesting is the last thing it says is it may contain milk. I thought it was what I guess they didn't say vegan. What does vegetarian mean? Because it gets slippery. You know, is milk a vegetable? I'm just wondering. I'm just asking questions here. But I'd also like to say that, you know, I'd like to, you know, congratulate all the people who are changing the way they're eating. Even the sister lady who earlier who talked about, you know, the kale salad, that is a shift in the right direction. So I don't want you to think that I'm being like, you know, rude or harsh. I'm saying that we are in a place of emergency. We are at the place where we have to be urgent about shifting our lives and taking control because the people that we said were controlling us, the evil ones or whoever, the oppressors, are actually in drama themselves. They're fighting each other. They got drama. So this is the door. The door is open for us to change everything. And they say between now, 2024 and 2027, everything for us will shift. Everything, the door opens up. The cosmic window opens. We actually are able to get off of the mental, physical, spiritual plantation if we desire, but we can't take the old habits with us. So I'm saying let's move quickly and change even – even if you've become a vegetarian, that's good. There's, there's millions of people becoming vegetarians to, to, every day. Let's applaud them. There's millions of people becoming vegans every day. We're not saying that's the best diet for everybody. We're saying at least people are attempting to change, you see, right. and there are – and that right there is huge. So let's let's just say that right now is a beautiful time for change, and let's make it happen. All right. I've got some folks who want to, uh, questions for you. Let's start with line one, Robert's in Baltimore. Good morning, Robert. You're on with Dr. B. In good health. Uh, Dr. B, uh, I'd like to uh, ask you, what? Uh, tell me something about kombucha, and I'd like to know about Irish sea moss. All right. Thank you, Robert. Dr. B. Uh, com- so kombucha is a, a product that people, you know, make that is supposed to give you more of the friendly bacteria. But we also now finding that kombucha doesn't work for everybody. So you have to test it. So I would say maybe try some kombucha for one month and then one month without it and see how you feel. Because a lot of times kombucha has got a lot of stuff in it. I've seen dye. I've seen lots of sugar to make it taste good. So sometimes we're trying to do one thing to make it better, but we're doing another thing to make it worse. Irish moss or sea moss is very good because it has all of the natural minerals, right? It has not all of them, but it has, you know, a lot of the minerals that the body needs. 
But also there's other things that have that too, you see, because some folks can't get some quality CMOS because everybody's making CMOS today. CMOS is good. Uh, the question I had was I went to order some for, you know, I have a product that actually has it in it. It's a, it's a, a powder and um, it's a, what's it called? Called a, I can't even remember the name of my product right now. I got so many. But anyway, um, this product, I needed some sea moss, and I called the company, and they said, well, we don't have any. They said, we got to wait till the farmers bring it. I said, what farmers? They said, well, you know, now because, you know, so many people want sea moss, we got sea moss farms. I said, well, what is this natural? They said, well, no, it's artificial. It's an artificial sea moss farm, and that's, you know, the demand is big. So we got to be careful and make sure we're getting it from a good source, you know. But sea moss is, is good for the body. All right. 16 away from the top. The line two, Sean, is joining us from Mobile. Sean, good morning. You're on with Dr. B. Uh, good, good morning, Carl. Uh, good, uh, good morning, uh, Dr. B. Uh, I had a question. Uh, I was at Mardi Gras the other day, and just statue of the young people just seemed to be alarming. What's going on with the, the size? And they're so small, the kids. I mean, I'm talking college and, and, and high school kids. Hmm. All right. Thanks, Sean. Dr. B, is something right. going on there? With the size of the children? They're tiny? Yeah, I mean, what, a, we, what, what do you mean? Yes, they're, they're very short in statue. Well, you know, now we got to be careful with that because we don't know what short and what tall really is because that's all a a, a perception. The, the question is, is how are they eating? What are they doing? What are they learning? You know, how they're living. So, and, and a lot of the hormones and things and the chemicals and the it's just we live in this society where folks accept a lot of things that are totally unnatural, and that's what's got to change. So whether they're tall or short is not the thing. It's their, you know, how awake are they? How aware are they of their society and what they're doing to become the best? Hmm. All right. Thanks, Sean. Uh, I got a tweet question for you from Eddie. It says, will you ask Dr. B if we really love someone and they say they love you, but they aren't ready to be serious yet? Do that let that person do you let that person go or do you try to win their heart? Because most people say if it was meant to be, it will be. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, I mean, love and being serious. I mean, what, you know, that's kind of, I guess if love means for a lot of folks that you have to be married or make a commitment in a certain way, I would check out the book, uh, the, um, the Mastery of Love. Because a lot of times what we're calling love is not love. And somebody can really truly love you and not, you know, have to marry you or be with you in a certain way. See, that's your perception of what love is. And everybody has a different perception of what love is. You know, we're going to talk about that again. You know, tomorrow night I'm doing a free, you know, uh, webcast. So go to ElevationTime.com and, you know, check in on the free webcast. And on Saturday we have a class starting. And that class is we're going to get deep on this. It's a three-part class. The first class is going to be this Saturday. Make sure you you get in that class because you're going to learn how to reset and restore and balance your entire life. And that's with Dr. Madi Brown. That's going to be amazing. 
And each you're going to talk about the soulful science of change and metamorphosis. Can you share a little bit more on that with us? Well, you know, once we realize that we are like butterflies, that we go through a metamorphosis, right, and how that change happens. For instance, uh, a lot of the pressures and trials and tribulations we're going through is actually making us better. It's making us stronger if we realize what's happening because a master always tests himself. We're becoming masters or we're not. A lot of people feel like, you know, something happened to them. They feel like victims. And if you live in the victocrat mindset and you don't realize that these things test you, if it didn't kill you, it made you better. So we're going to talk about the mindset. We're going to talk about the psychological, the spiritual, and the cosmic powers that we actually have. We are connected. We're magical. We're connected to source. You know, a lot of people try to interrupt that and say, well, you got to go through me to get to God. No, we are connected directly to the, to the God source. We are the God power, but we've got to act like it, live like it. So we're going to talk about, you know, how to rebirth ourselves. We're actually going to be doing, at the end of the course, you're going to, people are going to get a certificate. It's called the rebirth certificate because the birth certificate that you have, right, the ID that you have and who you think you are is not who you are. Because like I say, you were living in a time of deception. So now we got to get down to who we really are. So this course which starts on Saturday, you got to, and, and it's not on the website yet. Okay. That course, you're going to have to get on the email list, go to elevationtime.com and join the newsletter or the email because tomorrow we're going to send out the list. I mean, we're going to send out that email to tell you how to get involved in that course. And it's a serious class. There's never been anything like this before. And when you hear Dr. Mahdi, he's a scientist and he breaks a lot of things down in a, in a scientific way, which in, we're going to give you actually the tools of transformation. It's not going to be just talk. We're not just going to be talking about stuff and concepts. It's going to be actual things that you can do every day to shift your life. And we actually have the power to do this once we know the, the, the steps. So we're going to give you the steps in that class. So that's on Saturday. It starts. And that's the Soulful Science of Change and Metamorphosis class. But tomorrow night is the free webcast. Everybody can come. We're going to talk about a lot of the things we talked about today and take it into a deeper place so you can have a better picture of where we're going and who we are. That's free tomorrow night, elevationtime.com. Go to events and sign up. All right. Ten minutes away from the top. There, a tweet question for you. Tweeter said that you mentioned uh, uh, sugar, but what about salt? Well, salt, if it is sea salt, then it has the minerals in it. If it's regular rock salt, table salt, then it actually dries the body out. It sucks the energy out of the body. So what we want is the, the we, your regular rock salt has just sodium as its major mineral. But if you go to sea salt, sea salt is going to have the other minerals that work together, right, in a group to help balance the body. And you can't use too much of anything, you see. So a lot of times we replace salt with kelp and things like that. And even lemon can create a salty-type flavor depending on what you're, you're cooking. Um, now what about but there's a lot. Him- Himalayan salt? Yeah, there's, is that there's a- Himalayan salt. Himalayan uh-huh. salt is, is good, but it's a little hard for the body to get the, the, the essence of it. So uh, uh, there's, there's Celtic. Celtic sea salt is actually softer. Celtic sea salt. But both of those are good. They're, they're much better than using your regular table salt, which is, you know, the body once again goes into shock. And a little salt and a little sugar will actually take you out. If you keep doing that every day, it accumulates and begins to shut the body down. 
But how much of that, Doctor B, is is taste? Because you know, people say you know without it, it doesn't have a taste if it doesn't have a pinch of salt or or some sugar. You know, it doesn't it, it doesn't taste right. What's that got to do with your taste buds? How can you how can you change or or get your taste buds to be acclimated to something that that doesn't have salt or doesn't have sugar as well? Well, by staying away from these things for a while, right, and let your body reset. Like when I stopped eating salt and sugar. I noticed that, you know, after about a month or so, my body reset and I didn't need it. I didn't need as much. Things tasted naturally, you know, a certain way. But it's the mind, it's the brain that has been reformed. See, we have this thing called neuroplasticity where the brain, you know, it writes the code based on what we're doing all the time or our habits. Once you change your habits, you can change your life. But we've also got to learn how to break habits. We've got to do these things called pattern interrupts. And when you interrupt those patterns, all of a sudden your natural homeostasis, your natural balance comes online, and you see everything different. You hear different. You taste different. You feel different. Food is based on programming, or the flavors are based on programming. And the science of programming the bliss points of food is deep. Somebody is programming, or people are allowing themselves to be programmed based on their taste. When you get away from something, when you fast, like when folks do my elevated total body program, they realize that it was the parasite causing them to crave sugar. Parasites, we're talking about systemic parasites. They actually change your brain. They actually program what you're thinking, what you're feeling, even your relationships. So, you know, at ElevationTime.com, we have that elevated total body program, which is now famous all over the world for helping people change and augment and transform themselves. You got to get rid of the parasites because they will crave the sugar, along with yeast and fungus. You know what I'm saying, and or what they call candidiasis. When you crave sweets, those are usually the parasites, right? That is the fungus, and it also is the the mind that has been demented, right? The mind that has been programmed to to to, to accept something that actually is dangerous to it. Wow, Doctor, we got about 30 seconds. So tell us again tomorrow and Saturday what's going on, real quick. So tomorrow at 7 uh, Eastern Standard Time, we're going to have a free webcast where I'll just talk about the insights of natural health. And uh, that's tomorrow at 7. So go to elevationtime.com, go to events, and you'll see it. And that's tomorrow night at 7. And then Saturday, starting at 11 a.m., will be the first of a series of classes which will have to do with the soulful science of change and metamorphosis, remembering our birthright, restoring our balance, rebirthing into the now. That is going to be the shift of shifts. So that's going to be on Saturday. You, in order to get in that class, you got to get on the email list at elevationtime.com, and you will get an email on Thursday to tell you how to get that class. And that's going to be for folks who are really ready to go to the next level. This is our time. This is the time we've been waiting for, but we've got to accept it. We've got to allow ourselves to do our best and be our best and shift. But we're going to go through a time where, we're, where it's uncomfortable. You see, and being uncomfortable for a minute is what's going to help you shift and change and grow. So we're going through an evolution right now, and that is, that is our birthright to evolve, to change, to let go of the past. Because if we live right. in the past and we keep talking about what had happened, we'll never get away from that. We've got to create something new right now. It's Elevation Time, elevationtime.com. Thank all you, right. Carl. Thanks, Dr. B. We're flat out of time here. Uh, thank you for sharing all this information with us this afternoon, this morning, actually. Family, thank you.
We are out of here. We're done for the day. Stay strong. Stay positive. Please stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power.